lying in the tall grass. Wish I had a pilot and a podcast. Wish I had a strong donkey that can haul ass and travel with portable speakers playing bars scats. Wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had a million albums. I wish I had a million problems. That way I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes. I wish I found a genie lamp. I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man. Yeah. I wish I was a comedian. Late night sitcom syndicated on TV land. I wish this well had water in it. These kids are stealing all my pennies. Focused on my wealth. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish the help is like, it's like, I wish, I wish, that every time we love and it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, that every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, that every time we love and it feels just like this. It feels just like this. It feels I wish I had a time machine. Wish I had a better rhyming scheme. Wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew from my lima bean. I wish that I could spread my wings. Nah. I wish that I had seven limbs. Yeah. That way I'd hold on to everything and laugh when I hear people wishing for the better things. I wish I spoke fluent Spanish. Dímelo, dímelo. At least I kind of understand it. <laughs> wish that I could throw the deuce like Gambit and get so large I could play pool with the planets. Yeah. I wish I was an astronaut. I wish I knew more classic rock. <laughs> Focused on myself. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish for help. It's like, it's like, I wish, I wish that every time we love it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish that every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish that every time we move it, it feels just like this. Feels just like this. Hello, cats and kittens, and welcome to a new episode of The Debrief. I am your host, Brianna Joy Gray, and here we are here to talk about subhuman pieces of shit only. Pew, 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 pew. LOL, sorry. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Obviously, I'm making reference to um, a characterization from Vouch that he made of my uh, listeners uh, long before we had our conversation uh, not to not to get in a dig. It's just you know, it's it's funny. It's a funny contrast given how uh, civilly he was willing to debate uh, both on today's podcast and on Rising last week. And I really appreciate his willingness to come to the table and be civil and leave all of those kind of ad hominem attacks in the past. And I think ultimately it was a constructive conversation. I'm glad it happened. I know a lot of you seem to think otherwise and are all up in my mentions talking about why are you even talking to him at the same time that you're driving engagement with these videos higher than almost anything else I post. So some introspection there perhaps is warranted. But for the bulk of you who seem to have understood my goals here and gotten something out of this conversation, um, I'm glad that's the case. And I am happy to talk to all of you, no matter how you felt about it, um, about whatever's on your mind tonight. So let's get right to it. Chris, you really mobilized to get in the front spot today. Kudos to you. What's on your mind? Uh, I am good. Um, I got a vacation, so this week coming up, so I'm really excited about that. A long oh, nice. One. Yeah, yeah, long, long, long needed one. And I got a flight tomorrow, so it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I'm looking. I got to look forward to the weekend. Cool. You like? I like to hear that. Starting out with some positivity. Exactly. I love yeah, it. 
Yeah, yeah, we got to start out with some positivity. You know, we need your vacations and everything like that. But um, as far, well, one, how are you doing? Because you seem like really annoyed this week. So I just want to check in on you. How are you doing with everything? You know. <laughs> uh, all is well, you know. I am also looking forward to the weekend. And... Um, I just had a lovely little barbecue dinner with my mother who is in town for work. She just left my apartment. I split a lovely Japanese beer with her and I'm feeling good. So, you know, let's get into it, Chris. What's on your mind? Okay. All right. All right. So, um, I think the thing with like, um, well, uh, Vosh, um, this is actually like my first time, like, um, outside of him being on Ryzen of like kind of being exposed to his content. And I mean, if you can create um, two minutes and like, what is it, like two, maybe three minutes of him just talking shit about you? Um, I mean, clearly you get something about you and everything that you and what you're talking about. You know, I didn't know, I didn't know it was that much. Like, obviously, like, <laughs> I had a sense of him having done videos periodically, like, I see them. You know, I'll do like a search to see if anybody's talking about the content, see what kind of reach we're getting. And so, you know, when I do a name search of myself, I see his videos come up. But like, you know, it's not like I was tracking it or anything or had a real sense of it outside of like the one or two big ones that I had watched or mm-hmm. that I had seen, you know, when I did re- uh, name searches. So when I heard that, when producer Armand, <laughs> kudos <laughs> to him, because he's the one that combed through all that material and found all that stuff. That was more than I even knew. <laughs> Existed to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it was like, wow, like this guy really, really despises you. And I mean, I guess we're all subhumans and stuff like that. So I was like, wow, I mean, all because of an opinion, because <laughs> of your opinion. I mean, that's a lot. But I think he's from that. Um, obviously, he's from that gaming culture. And, you know, ga- gamers, it's you say the worst possible fucking thing. You That's like the whole shtick and everything like that. Like, even if you've been going go online and stuff like that and getting them lobbies, trust me, ain't got nothing but racist stuff to say or just like the most vile things ever. So I think that's probably where that came down, that kind of came from. And it's always funny with those guys, because like when you actually confront when they actually have to confront people, they talk shit about, you know. They don't have half the smoke that they normally do, but that's not like a good thing. I mean, well, that's a, that's a kind of a good thing though. Cause I think if y'all would have just started off like rawing at each other, then you mean, I mean, it wouldn't have really been a productive conversation, even though y'all were kind of going back and forth and everything like that. And he has like a really smugness about him that I think kind of just would rubs a lot of people the wrong, wrong, wrong way. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. It, it, it was, it was it, overall though it was definitely a good episode like i realized with like guys like him or i guess like oh i guess we can frame them the other side of the left because apparently there's two lefts now there's i guess our subhuman left where you know we're just they just think that we're just pessimists and anti-critical and just just, just want to shit on every fucking thing and then we have them who are kind of like still trying to like play i guess play the game kind of like still you know i mean obviously they still believe in like electoral politics like i think the thing that was annoying me so much with vosh was when you guys started kind of getting into the idea of like oh it's only two options it's only two options and that and it's like no there's a third option there's other options and it seems like people like him can't see past this they can't see past the two options which is democrats and republicans and it's like when you anybody who like tries to like hint at another idea something outside of it it's just like they really, really get like hung up on it. And I just like, I I, I just, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's like, look, there's obviously two clear, obvious paths that exist, you know, mm-hmm. but the goal of wanting to be a change agent 
to be a leftist, to be yeah. an activist, an organizer, whatever you want to describe yourself as being, is to create alternative paths because what is being presented to us is insufficient. It, you can sit yeah. there in the middle of slavery and say, well, the options are to be a slave <laughs> or kill myself. It, it, exactly. exactly. Uh, but that, like, my dude, like, you, you can sit there and be like, yes, you're, you're very accurate. There's two things realistically that are going to be easy for you to do. You can keep being a slave or you can kill yourself. Or we can put our heads together. <laughs> and figure out how to get the fuck out and, of here. And or- learn, learn how to identify the Big Dipper because we're getting the, the heck out of here. Literally. Django this shit, you know? Exactly. Literally, like you get a dangle of the shit. Like that's literally what we could be doing. Or what and it's like when you try to steer conversations towards it, it's like then the conversation falls flat because what what it ultimately ends up always coming down to, they're not even mad at what you're saying because they agree with you most of the time. It's mm. just the idea that you the idea that you say one of the buzzwords. So the one of the buzzwords for them is if if you mentioned Trump and you don't completely shit on him or mm-hmm. his thing, Marjorie Terrell Green, which this was clearly all about. It was the idea. It was the idea that what did he say? Um, we're uh, you're giving energy and base to Marjorie Taylor Green, even though you're critical of her and you saying that this is a bad faith actor. Like I remember that like uh, it was towards the end where like he was like if you I think he was like explaining like your your position and everything as far as like Marley Chandler Green was saying he was a bad faith fast. I think he was doing it with like I think he was analogizing like Bernie and he was mm-hmm. like, Yes, if you say that and if you if you specifically say that and you um that if that this person's a bad faith actor and everything like that, then there's no problem. And it was and he was just like, dude, my whole fucking radar is me mm-hmm. doing literally doing exactly what the fuck you say and then you play the clip of you literally verbatim. And it's like Case closed. I mean, the debate is actually over because then it's like, all right, so what the fuck are you even arguing? You don't even listen. You, you hear buzzwords, and that's what that's, they hear. you hear. The that's buzzwords. what is ultimately so frustrating because I do think, like, guys, I, I, I'm not, I'm not stupid. You know, like I know what the response, like I know the consequence of me using a clickbaity title because that's the ecosystem we live in in the media. Like, you got to get eyes on the thing if you want it to matter. Is going to be that I need to insulate myself against exactly the kind of criticism that so many people get. I know exactly what people are going to say. So I go out of my way, usually at two o'clock in the morning, writing 20% more sentences that I actually want to write. Cause I've got to <laughs> caveat the shit out of my message so that no one can accuse me of doing exactly what Vouch accused me of. I like, I caveat and caveat and caveat and caveat. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the thing is longer than it should be, more boring than it should be, because I have to spend 25% of it padding it out with caveats. And then for someone to not only not listen to the <laughs> thing, but then despite not listening, choose to go out of their way to make an hour of programming about how stupid I am for arguments that they haven't even heard. And, you know, which I've already refuted. Like, it's, it's, I got to tell you, it's just yeah. so exhausting. It's draining. It got to be draining. Cause, like, the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like, that's, if you listen to the actual radar before you hate watched it and, you know, talk, tell everyone that you're a piece of shit and stuff like that. If you listen, you, you're literally saying Marjorie Taylor Greene is a bad actor. She's clearly doing this for the wrong reasons, everything. And then it's like, they don't need, like, and, and even in the argument, when you was, with, I guess, like, when you guys got into it about the FBI, and I'm like, I mean, I never understand what liberals things with the FBI and why they just so want to save this thing. Like, I think I realized it's just because maybe because they're at Trump, they're, quote unquote, after Trump now. That's why they see value in it, though. But mm-hmm. it was like, he accused, I think he accused you of, um, I'm trying to remember. 
I think when he was uh, arguing about the um um with, with the FBI and like how like it can be how Marjorie Taylor Greene wants to use it for like certain certain purposes, so we shouldn't do it. But then it's like, well, no offense, but don't you want to keep the FBI for these certain certain purposes that you think you're deemed worthy, as in getting tr- Donald Trump or somehow investigating Donald Trump and trying to find stuff? Like it's the same. It's kind of like. It's, you guys want to use the FBI for the same thing. Now, mind you, I do think th- th- it's clearly a power move and there's no genuineness in it. Though, but what's the harm in a conversation? And then also, you we're having this kind of conversation because the right is the only side that's having this kind of fucking conversation. Right. And liberals never fucking do it. Right. I mean, that was the most yeah. frustrating aspect of it for me is that, you know, I'm saying... Marjorie Taylor Greene can write some bullshit legislation to defund the FBI. Even worse, she's not going to do anything at all, right? In all likelihood, it's it's going to be all rhetoric from her and no follow-through, which gives the left an amazing opportunity to say, okay, let me call your bluff, let me write the legislation, and then either there's some miracle where she actually likes it and it passes, or more likely, she has to come up with some excuse for why she didn't actually mean it when she said, yeah. I want to defund the FBI, and, and you know, it it's, it's it's like saying, "Oh, I'm a I'm a leftist. I support, you know, police reform." Except <laughs> one time, the police are arresting Jeffrey Epstein, and because exactly. the Epstein case is happening, you're like, "Oh, actually, never mind. I think it's wrong. It's the wrong things. moment to be talking mm-hmm. about police reform because Epstein yeah, needs to yeah, go yeah, down." Everything is the wrong moment. I realize <laughs> that this is just not the right time. I'm like, so when is it? When is it ever going to be the right time? I, I hate people who say there's not like the idea of like timing is the issue of something and why you can't bring it up because then it's like, when is ever going to be the right time? There's never a right time. And like I said. The, liberals in the left well excuse me liberals and democrats are not having these kind of conversations they're actually trying to sweep these conversations under the rug so it's like i don't know what more you can do but um yeah um i think that's all i have to say um i see the queue is long and everyone so i want to wish you a great weekend hopefully you're not less stressful and everything (laughs) can't wait for part two of vosh and everything and then um i see there's a lot of people who talk shit about you and stuff like that and you know i think some people just really want to debate you i think sometimes maybe when you're in the mood and everything like that give them the smoke let them get embarrassed like the rest of them do I think that <laughs> I am going to just keep muting people. I'm going to tell you, a lot of y'all got muted today. I muted a lot of friends today because mm-hmm. uh, here's what I didn't have patience for today. Why did you Why did you even talk to him? I don't know who you think that's for. I don't know if you think that's like weirdly like defending me or something or like, I don't, mm-hmm. why would you put you, I'm, I'm promise you I'm an adult and I can make my own decisions. And I did it yeah. because I think it was a good idea. And all you're yeah. doing is questioning my judgment and undermining me, which you're allowed mm-hmm. to do, but I'm also allowed to mute. So that's where I am about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but other, that's, that's the only smoke I'm dishing out today because um, the power it. to ignore um, and not have to engage with people is an amazing privilege. And I am grateful for it. Gotta say. But thanks for calling in, Chris. It's a no pleasure problem. as always. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. All right, Pedro, you're up. You've been in the queue a lot and haven't made it to the front, and I want to make sure you get in here today. I will be going to the front of the queue and then hopping around and back to the front and then hopping around. So even if you're not toward the front, I could still be coming for you. So look alive. All is not lost. Oh, hey, All right, Pedro. Sorry. sorry, I wasn't expecting to get um, jumped up to the front. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're a little okay. bit dim. Oh, okay. Hold a little on, bit. I'm sorry? That might be better right here. Is that better? Do, do you have ear p- pods in? Oh, let me change that. 
FYI, everybody, just a tech announcement. A lot of times the wireless earbuds make you sound really far away and quiet. So if you can disengage those when you talk, I think that would be ideal. Is that better? Can you still hear me? Much better. Okay, thanks. Um, so I had a couple things that I points of disagreement, I think. Um, one was um, where, you know, the whole idea that maybe it's not MTG that's um, being ingenu ingenuous about about her um, support for reform or like the wrong reasons, but that it's her, you know, base or um, like Republican rank and file. Um, now, I, I will acknowledge that polls do show that Democrats trust the FBI more and Republicans less. However, I think that 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 um, critic that skepticism of the FBI is only skin deep. Um, and it doesn't really reflect any principled things, even on rank and file ways, because if you're looking at trend lines with the FBI and, and the only thing, if you're looking between like 2016, when Republicans would have loved for the FBI to charge Clinton, um, and between now, what's the only thing that's changed? Well, Trump was investigated. That's the only thing that changed. So, so what? I think that... So what, what difference does that make? Why is that material? Well, it's material because I think that if it's, it's only as skin deep as the reverse trend with Democrats too. And then what does that matter? Why does that well, matter? Then you could probably try to be as persuasive of liberals as you would be of conservatives. I think that like liberals are much, are in a lot of ways, much closer to the leftist position on issues as Republicans and even the, well no the, per the per the poll that you just cited Democrats are more uh, positive about the FBI than Republicans are right now but only skin deep only out of super okay level. but that wasn't the point you were just make, making you're saying that I should I should make the case to liberals and not to Republicans even though you just fin because the Republicans only have a superficial interest in abolishing the FBI, but yeah. you just said that polls show that even if it's superficial, they still have a more negative view of the FBI than liberals do. Right, but because also it's why the why this false binary? I can I can make no, no, arguments no, no. I, to anybody I, I want about abolishing the FBI all at the same time. Marjorie Taylor Greene happened to oh, say something right. about it, so I I said, oh, she's right about this, and everyone who likes Marjorie Taylor Greene should agree with me. Additionally, everybody should agree with me that we should abolish the FBI. So right. what's the problem? What's what's the what's your well? Holdup? I think this goes to more of a general criticism I have of some of some on the left um, is that they they're very they seem to be very like they seem to like dismiss liberals altogether and then give much more who, credence. Who is to the, what, why? How is it dismissing liberals to talk to? If I go and talk to a group of Asian Americans who have been affected by the recent shootings and say I feel your pain, is that dismissing white people or black people or Hispanics? Can I talk to one group without it being characterized as dismissing everybody else? No, you can talk to Republicans. I'm just saying that liberals are not the enemy of the left anymore. I mean, I who, just think who that brought like, up liberals, Pedro, except for you. Who's talking about who said anything about liberals? Well, you're talking about how Republicans are re more reachable than liberals. No, no, you brought that up. I, all I did was do a radar about Marjorie Taylor Greene. You brought up liberals in this conversation relative to conservatives asking me why I'm not reaching out to liberals. Why, and, and implying that by doing, focusing at any, at any moment in my life 
on uh-huh. on Republicans because of Marjorie Taylor Greene opening that door and there being this little crack in uh, in the in the police solidarity that's happening on the right and some criticism of the, of the FBI that uh, that somehow means that I'm ignoring or dismissing or not reaching out to liberals as well. well I didn't bring the liberals I, up. Right. I'm just saying there's real no there's no real crack in my opinion. It's completely superficial. It reflects rhetoric well, about is Trump there, being is there no real Is there no crack or is there a superficial crack, in which case there is a crack? And to your point again, you're the one who argued that there's more of a crack on the right than there is among liberals. You just said that. No, I'm saying superficially. I said there's no right. crack. Right. But you just said in a, that the polls show that whatever, however superficial that crack is on the right, it's bigger there is more negativity about the FBI among conservatives than there are liberals. So, again, what is the issue? You, you clearly don't have – you're framing this as me having an issue reaching out to liberals when, in fact, it's you having an issue with me reaching out to Republicans. So why do you have an issue, as though it's mutually exclusive, with me reaching out to Republicans when they clearly have shown some sympathy for this point of view? It doesn't have to be maximal sympathy. It doesn't have to be a majority or even a plurality or even 20% of Republicans. But obviously, per the poll you just cited, there's more receptivity to this among conservatives than there are even among liberals. So what's the problem? Well, I I actually don't think there's more receptivity. And so my thing would be – Well, you just said that, Pedro. You just cited a poll. No, Am I going crazy? No, there's no real genuine receptivity. So the poll doesn't matter – you, you cited a poll, but it doesn't matter because why? Because it's what, what does it mean to be what have real receptivity versus fake receptivity? What does that mean? It means that like a receptivity that would actually mean oh we'd favor actual genuine reforms. I don't think it reflects that in the polls. I think it just reflects their rhetoric about Trump witch hunt, which actually t- turned out to be hogwash. Because the Durham report, you know, the Durham. Okay, so you think, you think, you think. I know that I did a radar, and many of the comments, an overwhelming number of comments from conservatives said things like, I'm right wing, I don't like Brianna Joy Gray, but I have long been skeptical of the deep state and the FBI. They have too much power, and I would support a bill to defund the FBI. Uh huh. Well, what about, do you get, and you get that more from conservatives than liberals nowadays? Well, there are not very many liberals who watch The Hill Rising, but the leftists oh, okay. and conservatives that watch The Hill Rising were very amenable to the idea. So I guess maybe that goes to my thing where it just seems that like a lot of leftists just kind of dismiss like the potential of reaching out to liberals when in a well, lot of – Well, that's not me. I, I didn't dismiss that. So you're going to have to take that argument up with whatever leftist was dismissive of that because I'm very happy to talk to whatever liberal audience wants to listen to me about why we should defund the FBI. But you don't talk to liberals. You, you bash them more than conservatives. You're much more amenable to trying to reach out when, to conservatives when, and liberals. When did I bash liberals? Because, again, you're the only one who brought up liberals in this conversation. And in my radar and in this show, I have repeatedly said Marjorie Taylor Greene is dumb as a can of beans. Marjorie Taylor Greene is a bad faith actor. Marjorie Taylor Greene is a fascist. Those might not be insults in your book. But I don't take very kindly to being called those kinds of things. I didn't like it when Vosh called me those, and I don't like – and when I called Marjorie Taylor Greene those, I certainly didn't mean it as a compliment. I haven't said a, a single bleeding word about liberals, but you are projecting onto this okay, but I some don't think weird it's... insecurity about not people no. not being nice enough to liberals. And i got to tell you, I'm not, this isn't the place for that. So if, if you well, find someone somewhere who has said something that you think is a, is a bad faith argument about liberals or an unfair criticism of liberals, I'm happy to hear it. But those, those things have not come out of my mouth, and your, your beef is not with me. 
well, I mean, I would just contend that, like, just in general, like, you're much harder on liberals than you are on conservatives. I mean, I think that that's pretty, I don't know, maybe, do you, I don't know, do you think that you are, or do you think that... No, I think that my audience is smart enough for me not to have to hold their hand and explain to them the ways that Republicans are bad because my audience is not Republicans. No one in this chat needs it to be explained to them why they shouldn't be a Republican. There are many people, most of us grew up our entire lives identifying as Democrats, and we need to be to have the language to explain to the other Democrats in our social and political milieu why it is that the Democratic Party is a front pretending to advocate for the needs of working people when it is in fact not. And what I believe is that our fight, our obligation is to pull down the curtain on, on, on the democratic party and expose Oz standing there as a fraud. So yes, I don't think, I don't think it's worth, I think frankly it's beneath my intellectual merits and the value of my time to sit around doing posts about how bad Trump is. But if you want that kind of content, I can direct you to several podcasts, including the Young Turks and others right. that will are happy to generate content about how Trump said something terrible today. And if you want to ask me, do I also think that's terrible just to make sure I'm not secretly a fascist? I'm happy to go down a checklist and say, oh, yes, it was very terrible when Trump said that without any hesitation. I'm happy to co-sign whatever, whatever uh, uh, Red Scare st- t- style affirmation you need me to make to make sure that I'm not secretly a Republican. No, I, I don't think you're secretly Republican. I don't think you're a fascist. I, I, I don't, I think you're a genuine leftist. All I'm saying is that, like, for example, can I just give one example and then I'll, you know, I don't want to belabor the sure. point. Um, like, for example, the whole idea of the phrase vote boo no matter who in a disparaging way. Well, like, that's almost like kind of like writing off like people who genuinely make, uh, you know, a, a strategic choice in a binary system. Like, they, want to like maybe they do have more progressive stances than the than the um you know the average democrat but when you say vote blue no matter who as though like people who are doing that mindlessly that's almost like the exact thing as republicans do when they say oh when black people uh vote for democrats they're just being brainwashed like i feel like that that's kind of disparaging and i don't think you would do that with the average republican you want you want them on your side so you're you're trying to be very persuasive and not denigrate them i just think that there's a bit more denigration of democrats than there is of republicans and i feel like that that's kind of like uh asymmetry that's not very helpful i spoke to vosh for three hours he's a vote blue no matter who person and at no point in the conversation at least the part of it that you heard today did i even try to talk him out of his position of voting for biden All I was doing was explaining why I did not, since he's done a number of videos calling me a fascist and all these other kinds of things, for voting in Washington, D.C. for a Green Party candidate in a way that was not in any way going to affect the Electoral College results. Right. So I don't know what you're saying. I feel like I frankly tiptoed around and went out of my way to not try to antagonize Fauci for what I honestly believe is an asinine and politically futile choice. For him, and where does he live? Somewhere on the West Coast in a blue state to cast his vote for Joe Biden, which nobody cares about, which did absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah. I mean, but I didn't say any of I, I didn't. I didn't try to change his mind or tell him that his voice was right. I said it was a reasonable, perfectly legitimate. I understand why people did that, especially in swing states. I've always affirmed that. So okay. I don't I don't I don't understand how much coddling you think these liberals need. But I'm, I'm sorry if I'm too harsh. I'm sorry if people's feelings are being hurt. 
But there are people who are dying through multi-generational oppression because of the consequences of voting endlessly for Democratic candidates who, frankly, right. do more to cut the social safety net and hurt people in communities like mine. And I don't have a lot of patience for that. I, I, it is true. I don't have a lot of patience for that. I, since no one else is calling Joe Biden a fascist, a white supremacist, a, a white supremacist eulogizer and the, and the writer of the crime bill, yes, I am going to save those things with my chest more loudly than we need to impeach Trump for a third time. All right. But I think Republican Republicans and are the ones that are causing people dying. I don't think it's the Democrats. I think that no, Joe Biden wrote the crime bill. Joe Biden sparked the mass incarceration. That was Democrats. It, it was Bill Clinton that cut welfare. Those were Democrats. That's my entire point. I don't well, have more about- smoke. Wait a minute. I don't have more smoke for Republicans because when Republicans are in office, at least Democrats pretend to care about the harms they cause for poor working class people in historically marginalized groups. At least they pretend to care and offer some pushback. When Republicans like Donald Trump are in office, but Joe Biden can sit here and continue Trump's immigration policies. He can deport Haitians. He can do everything under the under the sun. He can try to cut wealth, uh, Social Security. He can ignore his promises to try to pursue a public option. He can uh, lie to the public about canceling HBCU student debt and all of the rest of the student debt. He can kill. I agree with he, that. Can, he can kill a, a railroad strike. And everyone shrugs their shoulders and says, oh, well, he's better than Trump. And I got to tell you, it's increasingly unclear. Right. I mean, I think Democrats obviously are not sufficient. I, I, I agree with that. And I'm just thinking that they're not as actively harmful as Republican politicians. I mean, what like, does that in- mean? I just listed like some of the most horrific policy outcomes of the 20th century. And your response well, to that talking- is, well, it's not as bad as what Republicans did. What exactly is the bad thing, by the way, that we're even well, talking about right now? I'm not Apart talking from, about like, the- maybe Supreme federal court appointments. No, I mean, like, for example, the, I'm not talking about the nineties. I, I know that in the nineties, I'm just saying now, um, like for example, the Medicaid expansion, like that's been done a lot less than Republican states, that's actively harming poor people. Um, you know, tax cuts. You know, Democrats don't go far enough. I, I totally agree. Why are you spending all it. of this energy? Why are you spending this energy defending? Who, who, what do you get for defending Democrats? No, I'm not defending. All I'm saying is that I think that there should be a sense of perspective about like. Why? What? Why? Because I think that that's the only way that you're going to, like, have a good – it's an analytical – That's the only way you're going like, to get people to keep voting blue no matter who, okay? That's no. your political project. That's not mine. I don't believe no, no. people should vote for Democrats, so I don't have to tiptoe around all the bad things that Democrats have done. I think we'll be a better country faster as the sooner we get all people – disengage from these two corporate parties. That means criticizing Republicans and criticizing Democrats because nobody needs to be voting for either of these people. So you think they're the same? No, I think they're, they're neither are worth our votes. And that's all we're going to be talking about today, Pedro. I appreciate you calling in. Keep the faith, my friend. All right. Nusrat, what's on your mind tonight? Unmute yourself and let us know what you're thinking about. Hello. Hi. Hey. Hi. Um, wow. Uh, are you okay? <laughs> Girl, I, well, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't have the patience for, oh, you think Republicans and the Democrats are the same. That's this, just, it's like, I'm sorry. It's below my pay grade. Go argue with, with some kindergartner on Facebook about that. That's ridiculous. I, you know, I've, I've done what? 250 odd shows, thousands of hours of content. I, it's just, it's disrespectful to say something like that to me at this point. 
Yeah. You know, how many times do I have to answer the same fucking questions? There's a queue of like 30 people here and you want to have a conversation. Well, do you think the Democrats and the Republicans are the same? Come on, people. Come on. Like, we're better than that. Go, go ahead, Nisra. I'm sorry. Am I, am I, well, how do you pronounce your name? Yeah, you did it right this time. Okay, great. <laughs> um, so, uh, first of all, I mean, I have a lot of things on my mind right now just because I'm very disappointed uh, with um, a lot of people that I, like, liked reading and listening to. So, did you watch um, Marion Williamson's interview on RBN today? I caught the tail end of it. Okay. Um so yeah, just disappointed in her answer with Israel Palestine and all of that. And then uh I was gonna ask if you thought there was any value in um interviewing fiction writers by any chance. Because um there is uh this novel, kind of new novel, um, The Ministry for the Future by Kim Stanley Robinson. Um, have you heard of it? I have it. I'm Googling it now. Okay. Um and so it's it's about like what would it take for the world to act on climate change? And so it's mm-hmm. like there's a heat wave with six million people dead in in India, more than six million people. And it's like, okay, so you need something kind of like Holocaust level to mm-hmm. spark action. Um, but even he, when I watched his interview with uh, this one literary po- podcast, um, he was praising Joe Biden, the author, even though his book was so like revolutionary and it mm. talked about like, so I, I was just like, wow, uh, like maybe it's just a boomer thing, but everybody's so um, middle of the road <laughs> or like moderate. Um, and so do you think there's any value in uh, interviewing fiction writers? Like Yanis Varoufakis, whom I know you love, um, mm-hmm. he recently wrote uh, a fiction novel, Another Now, which I haven't read yet, but I have a copy of. Yeah, I mean, um, we I interviewed a guest a couple of months ago who's primarily uh, known for writing about fiction, but we talked to him about, oh, God. What's his name? Um, I talked to him about some tech. It was tech related. Now I can't remember his name because all I remember is that a bunch of people were like, oh, why are you, are you, why are you interviewing him? He's not an expert. He's just a fiction writer. But yeah, I think that people, um, I think it's, it's perfectly worthwhile. I think it's very bizarre how many people are wonderful and insightful and have great left politics, but at the end of the day are not willing to be honest about what climate, uh, what Biden means in terms of the climate crisis. Exactly. I, actually, I really appreciate David Sirota actually for, for this, because he's one of the few people who like in, in the, in the libs went crazy over this when he did this, but when bill back better was happening and everyone was crowing about how it was like the biggest climate bill in the history of climate bills, he was just like completely unimpressed and running around screaming that this was inadequate and it was going to kill the planet. And it's true. And it's just so nice not to be gaslit for once about that stuff, even from environmental groups who will like give Biden credit for doing less than what's necessary to save humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, so- I don't, I mean, what do you, what do you attribute that to? Like even, even Cornell West, you know, whom I obviously adore when he was on the show a couple of months ago and I was asking him, we, we were talking about this FBI stuff and 
I asked him if he thought that Biden was a fascist. And it was it was right after Trump had given sorry uh, right after Biden had given his speech about um, maybe it was, a, it was some kind of State of the Union style speech and um, was talking about who was. Uh, Biden, uh, Trump, Trump voters being MAGA Republicans and fascists and all of that. And then there was this whole discourse about whether he should have done that. And I asked him if he thought that Biden was a fascist, given all the things that I was just talking to Pedro about. And he was reluctant to say that. And it's like, if it's just a rhetorical thing and you just don't want to use that particular word, I get it. But people who aren't willing to wreck, I mean, this is why I was getting so frustrated with Pedro. Like, if you're not willing to, like, I am not interested in charging the Democrats with more than what they did. But when the constant impulse is to let them off the hook for horrible shit, yeah. Biden's the one that's walking us to, into a climate catastrophe right now, not Trump. Why are we still talking about Trump? When he comes back, I'll talk about him again. Right now, Biden is the one whose name is on the billboard that says existential threat one mile. Yeah, so, I think it, it, it's, it's so bizarre to me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So it also reminds me of when Zephyr Teachout wrote that. Yes. Like, she analyzed that piece of like, here is the evidence. Like, did Biden do corrupt shit? Yes, he did. Therefore, he is corrupt. Yes. Dictionary definition. And Bernie kind of threw her under the bus. And so that's what I mean by like tonight. I'm just reflecting on all the people, mm-hmm. all the, the boomers that I'm like disappointed with. And um. Yeah, same with like Kim Stanley Robinson. I really like him as an author, but he was saying, uh, I think you guys call it the Inflation Reduction Act. Sorry, I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm Canadian. I'm not American. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, and he was saying, oh, this is like an incredible piece of legislation, et cetera. Um, And I think, so, you know, when I think of like Bernie, Cornell West, you know, having these sort of like tiptoeing around the issue or, however you want to describe it. I think there's like, I find myself doing this too sometimes where you realize like, and I chastise myself later, but it's like, I go left and then I'm like, okay, this is too far left. And so in order to have credibility like if, with a colleague, I mean, usually it's it's like if I'm talking to a colleague, I, I don't want to like talk too much politics or something. So I'll kind of like agree with them. Um, but I think it's in order to, I don't know, make nice or like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I Like, look, look, let's let's just let's actually just get into this. Mm-hmm. There is quite obviously some kind of significant psychic resistance that people have yeah. to being critical of Democrats in any way that makes it seem like their bad acts are even in the universe of Republican bad acts. Like it's not like it's not even like even if you were to acknowledge Republicans are worse, that's not even enough for most people. They need to because they need the assurance. You have to keep saying it. You, I can start every podcast with, you know, just FYI, caveat, Republicans, no matter what I say, Republicans are worse than Democrats. And then continue. But people would still be following up, okay, but like Republicans are worse, right? Like, blah, blah, blah. like it's like this weird tick, this weird, deep insecurity. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because 
we like people's like identity as being like a quote unquote good person is bound up with their fidelity to the Democratic Party as an institution and like liberalism as a concept. And they feel like their psyche is being attacked when the Democratic Party is being attacked. If that's the case, I don't know what to tell you other than to grow out of it. <laughs> like you yeah. cannot be feeling team Democrat in your soul. That is not constructive. You are not a, you're not a corporate political party. I don't know if it is the fear that people are going to take your criticisms as Democrats as a tacit endorsement of Republicans. I think that's a legitimate fear, but one that is easily managed by throwing in the kind of caveats that I always do in these raiders about how Republicans are also bad and how Republicans aren't acting in good faith and how Republicans don't really have any follow through and are faux populists. I've never referred to a Republican as a populist, only as a faux populist. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know how to be more clear than that. I don't like, so I, I don't, I don't like, someone has to explain it to me. What is it that is so triggering for you? Not you, not you personally, yeah. but you know, omniscient you like what, what, what is so triggering about the idea of saying Democrats are horrible. Can we just sit in that? Is that okay? Like Democrats is not your mom. Democrats is not your wife. Democrats is not your lover. Democrats is not your son. It's it's a it's literally a corporation that runs That's candidates in a political party. It's it's not you. You do not have to be invested in the public opinion of them or what they do, their how they poll, who they run. Yeah, I think like um so I have a friend who went to Princeton. We're again, I don't have any American friends other than mm-hmm. one, I think. <laughs> um and so one thing she described to me about the American phenomenon of like everything just like with today's interview with Vosh, everything is so binary, everything is so black and white mm-hmm. in the states. And I think the other thing is that because everything is so binary, in 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 this sort of narrow frame of mind in, in this like american mind um so if it's not republican or democrat then you really feel the hopelessness and there's also this sort of like like optimism that is in north americans like canadians and americans like there's just we're we're a lot more cheery than europeans for example and so I think that facing that is just too difficult. Like I've, I've, I've noticed this with Jon Stewart as well when he interviews war criminals like Hillary Clinton and them. But it's like mm. he used to criticize them and he knows about like the Iraq war. That was one of his big issues when he was on, on The Daily Show. But then all of a sudden now it's like you can't you can't admit that to yourself or else you just, mm. you, you become like depressed. I think it's, it's yeah. a way to like combat depression. And I think um, people like you who still like, it was very interesting when you, you talked about the reason why you vote third party, which is that if you vote third party, then they get like, if they get a certain amount of votes, they get, uh, oh, matching funds, ballot yeah. access, yeah. Like I didn't know that because I mean I come from a parliamentary like system, so we get multiple parties. Um, mm. But like, 
I think that's what I find amazing about your brain is the flexibility with which you can like think of other options without falling into despair. So I think it's, it's that, I think it's trying to like combat a sense of hopelessness. Yeah. I really do think that there's something to that. I remember having this conversation with, I think, um, Michael Moore on his podcast shortly after the election or before sometime around the 2020 election. And we were trying to talk through the psychology of all of this. And I I, I do think that there's something about like this sense of identity or self-esteem or, you know, that, that liberals struggle with when it comes to the Democrat, like Democratic Party and liberalism has become such a stand in, I think, because the party has been emphasizing a lot of these social and cultural issues for so long to the you know detriment of actually pursuing any material policies or I shouldn't mm-hmm. say any, but many important material policies um, has made people feel like it's really just about being good. You know, Democrats aren't homophobic or racist and like immigrants and Republicans are bigots and um, they hate poor people. Like that's just how it is in the liberal mind. And to say you don't like Democrats, I think people, people react to it. Like you're saying you don't like gay people. You don't like black people. Like they respond to it with, with that kind of visceralness because they almost can't imagine a collection, like an identity outside of, what the party has defined. It's, it's like, it's almost like when you, sometimes you, you have, you have, I have, I've had these conversations with religious people who've said things like, well, how do you have morals outside of religion? And I'm like, easy. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And is, is the Bible or, you know, the Torah or whatever, the only thing that's standing between you and murdering someone right now, truly. <laughs> like, but you know, we, we, we wrote these religious books because we, Felt something as a community that was more intrinsic and first order. And I don't mean that I'm like, I'm not trying to denigrate anybody's religion, but I do think that it's almost like that. Like people are ascribing things to coming from the, as coming from the democratic party when they're, they're coming from us. They're in us. We don't need that. We don't need that framework to understand who we are. And in fact, that framework is limiting. Yeah. I mean, again, I can't speak to the whole Democrat Republican dynamic. I can only like, I just see it from TV. But I will say, yeah, that like in Canada, when we had the truckers protest and, you know, if if I said I don't like Trudeau, people immediately will be like, are you anti-vax? And I work Mm. in public health and I'm like, no, 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 no. It's Mm -hmm. more that like I am to the left of him, you know, and then, you know, and, and I will even say like I'm not a big fan of the NDP, which is like the the more left party in Canada. And that will really make people's heads shake because Mm. the the other thing is, is that like, I think the anti-communism, like the Cold War really affected people's brains Mm. and continues to affect people's brains. So, you know, and, and I think that's the thing is that it's like, well, it's just liberal or conservative or like fascist or communist so you've mm. got four categories actually it's not binary but it's 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 a quad and mm. you can't be a commie um and i think that's the other fear that sometimes creeps up in my conversations is like 
me always having to guard what I have to say to not come off as communist, even though like, yeah, I guess mm-hmm. maybe I am a communist, <laughs> but I haven't like done the required readings. Mm-hmm. Um, Relatable. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's another good point. I think that the binary thinking is such a problem. This is so funny. We were having this debate on rising the other day. There was a guest, uh, we were, the the topic was um, student debt cancellation. He was against it, um, and he was talking about how we need to actually just reform the whole system. Why do colleges cost so much? And I was like, well, yeah, I agree with that. Like both. <laughs> um, and so he was making an argument that you know conservatives sometimes make. I don't want to. I don't actually know how he identifies politically, but conservatives sometimes make this argument about how um, you don't really learn anything in college anyway, and that colleges. I pivoted to this idea that you learn how to process information, theory of knowledge, ways of learning, how to analyze, da, 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 and that so many people don't need that. You don't use it in your life anyway. And I was like, well, there are a lot of things I don't remember from college. By the way, there's a more that I don't remember and use from high school, and nobody's suggesting that I shouldn't have gone to high school. But never mind. I'm never doing, like, fucking algebra. Um, but I, I, I was telling him that I actually used this, those skills a lot in every day of my life, knowing how to read something critically, being able to do media criticism, realizing how to analyze sources and know what to trust and figure out how to like get to primary sources myself. Like those are some of the most valuable skills I've learned, not just in the professional context, but in order to be a an informed citizen who can make logical choices about my life. Those are the most important things in the world. And it's, and it's, and then when you, when you, when I'm engaged in a conversation with someone like Vash, who's obviously not unintelligent, but who is unwilling to like, who, who can't get out of this idea that like, well, the, the, the past before me are both, both very ideal. So I guess I just got to delude myself into thinking that one is better than the other one and pacify myself and making that choice that maybe I should be working toward figuring out how to broaden the options that are on my plate. Like that's fundamental. It's like, it's like that scene in men in black. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like off the rails now. <laughs> but that scene in men in black, you know, where he goes to apply and, and they're all taking that test in that white room and they're filling out like a multiple choice quiz on their laps and all of their little pencils are going through the thin paper onto their laps. And Will Smith gets up and drags the one table in the center of the room across the floor so that he can write on it. And it's like, yeah, like everyone's just sitting around unable to freaking score the exam and no one will just get up and drive the table over. And then when Will Smith does it, when I point out that, oh, there's this third option, which is using the fucking table, everyone yells at me like I've done something wrong. <laughs> Instead and of I, saying, oh, great. Yeah. Thanks for figuring it out. Let's all scoot up to the table. And I think that's the thing, though. It's like, you know, kind of like reminds me of the book, The Jakarta Method. It's like that third option is also seen as as evil. It's just pure evil. And so, yeah, um, that's all I really had to say. But thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You've helped me um, to organize a lot of thoughts very helpfully. So I appreciate you calling in. Take care. Take care. Keep the faith. You too. All right, Anthony, I promised I wasn't going to forget you. Oh, shoot. Where'd you go? I swear I just put, okay, there you go. Anthony S., you've been in the queue 
like every time and i never get to you and i apologize oh well thank you so much it's um a bad time for me actually i'm at work right now but oh no i can call back later if you get back in okay i'll do that thanks okay no worries all right um let's see let me then go to jay you look like a new face what's on your mind tonight Can you unmute yourself, Jay? Jay going once. Jay going twice. All right. I am going to go to Danny Kaufman. What's on your mind? You with us, Danny? See, I've obviously gone too far back in the line, and people are not looking alive. People are resting on their laurels. People hey, are like, it couldn't me? be me. Can you hear me? <laughs> hey, Danny, I can hear you. What's on your mind? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing all right. First time, long time here. Oh, wonderful. Welcome. Um, I just want to say, so I was actually familiar with Bosch before this. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that conversation was very indicative of pretty much how he is with everyone. I don't know if I'm sure you noticed and we're really frustrated by the fact it's like he doesn't take in what you're saying. He already has what he's going to say queued up and like what mm. you say doesn't matter. I don't know if you got that feeling. Um, you know, sure. I mean, he's, he's not the only person who's like that. I guess it's my only hesitation. I mean, that's a kind of a common thing when sure. people are entrenched and their arguments and are and really invested yeah. in proving themselves right. By the way, Danny, do you have your earbuds on? Yeah, let me take them off. Thank you. I appreciate it. Or the audience, I'm sure, will appreciate it. Yeah, can you hear me better now? That's much better. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm also a lawyer, so I'm used to people like that all the time. Yeah, look, speaking again of like, oh, you don't learn anything in school. I don't remember uh, international shoe from a loafer. But I know that I learned some basic like skills about what makes a good argument in law school. Yeah. Interstate commerce, always a good thing. I'm sorry? I said interstate commerce, always a good thing. Right. <laughs> like I, 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 you know, I, I learned very quickly when I got a bad mark on my first like writing exam, like, oh, you know, I can't ignore these inconvenient counterarguments. I was, know, nope. I, yeah, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, I always joke with people that like um, – because people who n- knew me in college and know me now always joke like I'm not nearly as argumentative. And I always say it was like law school was like looking in a mirror. And I was like, wow, am I like all these people? <laughs> but um, Bosch did this one debate with this. There's this streamer called Anna who's in Ukraine and is like, you know, obviously very adamant about U.S. support for Ukraine because she lives in Kiev. Mm-hmm. And he did this debate and it was all about how she was upset with him characterizing the Azov battalion as Nazis. And she was like, and she kept talking to him about how the Azov battalion has like a Nazi history. It was founded by Nazi, but like they've subsequently disavowed that ideology and they are now like freedom fighters and how a lot of like young men who want to fight for their country join the Azov battalion because it's like the best fighting force. Mm -hmm. And she just went on this whole long thing about how it's like, 
so degrading to these people on the front lines to hear them like characterized as Nazis. And Vosh is just like, yeah, I call a Nazi a Nazi. Like didn't even take in what she was saying. That's interesting. Cause I would have thought that Vosh, I mean, I'm not familiar enough with him, obviously, but given how strongly he feels about military aid for Ukraine, usually those people tend to be softer on Azov. They, they don't yeah, want just, to have a difficult conversation about whether weapons are going to people who are Nazis and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's just this, I mean, you, it's just this binary way of thinking. It's like Nazi, not Nazi. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the thing is I, I, I'm only hesitating to say, yes, this is what Vosh is like, because it's just so common, honestly. Sure. Like it's not even like a Vosh thing. It's just so yeah. common. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's frustrating because I feel like, I mean, through YouTube, I kind of try to flock to people who I feel like are independent thinkers. And it always just like drives me crazy when I hear that line of thinking. I mean, like my my big wake up call was was the Chomsky conversation, which was not supposed to be a debate. You know, what was funny is I remember the night before, you know, the Chomsky interview. I, I mooted, but that was like in the early days of the podcast where I was like very yeah. prepared for every interview and I had <laughs> taken pages of notes, especially cause it was Noam Chomsky. And I, I like mooted all my questions with my then boyfriend. And we had like the most amazing two hour conversation where like we were, he, he was a lawyer as well. And we went back and forth and I was like, Oh, this is going to be great. You know, we're, we're going to get to the bottom of all of these difficult questions. Like, cause I wasn't coming into it. Like I know for a fact that it's wrong and immoral to not vote, uh, to, to, to vote for Biden. But like, it does seem to me that there is an obvious tension here that if we always do vote blue, no matter who there's absolutely no incentive for the democratic party to change. So how do you balance your interest in not having Trump be president against your interest in actually creating genuine leverage for the democratic party? Like, is there a way to do it kind of safely that doesn't expose all of the risks of voting for, of getting yeah. Trump president. Like, I wanted to talk about it, you know? I wanted to have a conversation about it with, with someone who is so wise and has such historical breadth of knowledge because I, I thought maybe he has an answer for how you extract real leverage without risking an authoritarian like Trump. That is not how the conversation went. It was <laughs> black and white thinking. It was, yeah. well, if you don't vote for Biden, you're voting for Trump. And he said that, like, I don't know if you guys remember, he said that same sentence probably 25 times. All you have to do is stand in line for 10 minutes and vote. Yeah. If you don't do that, you're voting for Trump. Stand in line for 10 minutes and vote. If you don't do that, you're voting for Trump. Yeah, it was it was bad in the, la in the midterms because I told people this and, like, I had such mixed feelings. But part of me secretly wanted, like, a massive red wave because I almost viewed it as, like, chemotherapy for the Democratic Party to just, mm -hmm. like, and it's like, obviously the consequences would have been horrendous. Yeah, but I get, I no, I get it. Like, and again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not telling anybody to do anything. I am not in the business of telling people what to do, but I can lay out what seems to me that the obvious kind of logical consequences of the the options that exist. Yeah, yeah, and my wife, my wife always gets mad at me because I'll criticize. Like, you know, we live in Chicago, so it's like, blue, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a mm. blue bubble, and. uh She'll always, like, I criticize the Democrats so much. And, like, you know, I'm, at, I'm out for dinner with friends and it's, like, Trump bad, yada, 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 boring. Mm -hmm. And she's always, she's like, you sound like a right winger. You're so critical of the Democrats. Like, why don't you criticize them so much more than the Republicans? It's, like, because I view them as, like, kind of savable in a way, if that yeah. makes sense. Yes. Like, exactly. there is elements. argue with a cat about why he doesn't speak English. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cat. 
Yeah. It's just like, it's because, you know, like you get accused of that a lot. Like, why are you so hard on, on Democrats and like you just don't criticize Republicans? Because it's boring and everyone does it. It's boring. Everyone does it. You're you're frankly, I think there is something to that. Like, well, if they're if they are persuadable, it's good to talk to those people. You can reason from some kind of shared understanding. It's like with a with a with a Democrat, you're going to start from the place of, oh, I don't want children to die because they don't have food. Like, you know, you're starting from the same general place. I think there should be a social safety net. I think the government's role is to to provide for the least amongst us. I think that we should have progressive redistributional policies, blah, blah, blah. Okay. If I'm arguing with a Republican, we're in a whole other realm, you know, a whole other libertarian landscape hellhole. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. There's, there, there's, there's a starting, there's a starting place there, but that can also mean that it's that much more angry making because it's like, okay, you say you don't want people to die in the streets, but you're also going to ignore Joe Biden trying to cut social security. You say you hated Trump and he was a bigot and had a Muslim ban and all of that, but you completely don't give a shit about him keeping title 42 going. And, and that's, it's the hypocrisy of, of disagreeing so much with someone who's supposed to be so close to you that makes it so toxic and makes, I think what draws us to having these more heated engagements with liberals. Yeah. I mean, so we we have a place up in Michigan and like a kind of like this old this town that like Whirlpool's made in and our neighbors are like hardcore Trump supporters. And mm. I've like sat down and talked to them about it and it's like they watched NAFTA destroy the town and then they were like huge Obama people mm. and it's like it tales old as time, you know what I mean, mm. in the industrial Midwest. And then they, you know, they were on the Obama train and they were so hopeful and then, you know, he put Goldman Sachs in his entire cabinet and nothing changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, and it's like my wife kind of gets it more now talking to them because, yeah, it's just I think there needs to be more humanizing, especially of, of the I think some of the Trump supporters, especially in the industrial Midwest, are very reachable. I mean, Bernie mm-hmm. reached them so well. And the Democratic Party just wants to kind of write them off. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I, and I got to say, well, let me I don't got to say anything. <laughs> I, I, it's not that. I'm trying to do moral equivalences, but it does bother me. I'm also not trying to do identity politics. Yeah. But it does bother me a lot when I particularly, I got to say as a black person, I'm expected to care a lot about certain Trumpy things and not the attacks that the democratic party have made against black people in particular with their social policies. And it's like, this, and this is what I was kind of, this is, I said this to Chomsky and people got mad at me because for doing identity politics, but he was like talking about all this Trump era stuff that had happened, which is genuinely terrible. Yeah. Um, but he was like, well, what about the Muslim ban? And I was like, dude, you're going to, you're going to make black people who have been here for hundreds of years, grandfathered in to vote for a party that suppressed them because every new, every year, some new monster does some new thing. When are we ever going to get out from under this? What are, what are the people who have been poor for multiple generations in this country ever going to get their escape hatch? You want us to just subsist in the status quo forever because there all always is some – always. There is some genuinely terrible new thing that's always going to happen. Yeah. And How you know what those people tell you? Tell them, I'm sorry? And you know what those people tell you? You got Obama. You ain't black. You got Obama. <laughs> <laughs> and you ain't black. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's the same song and dance and nothing changes. Like I said, that's, I didn't want a red wave, but like part of me was like it wouldn't be the worst thing ever because it would have done it would have caused some soul searching. Yeah, it's like I'm not gonna pull that lever on the trolley. No, but like I can see the silver lining of the track change. Yeah, and it would have like it would have put some of like the young. It would have gotten rid of a lot of the old guard that's really you know kind of drags the party. Yeah. Yeah. So. Look, right. I appreciate you calling in. Uh, yeah, I hope it's not you. your last time, Danny. No, definitely. Have a good night. All right. You too. Keep the faith. All right, bye. Hey, Pasa, my friend. Hey, Bree. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Um, I don't know about you, Bree, but I woke up this morning and I just was thanking God that I just get to enable some fascists today. <laughs> All day, every day, I am lucky enough to just get out of bed and greet the sun and say, hello, fascism. <laughs> I can't wait just to spread it. That's what I've been doing. In fact, you know, that's the whole point of uh, this entire podcast, Bad Faith, the whole time has just been about enabling fascism um, and having someone equivocate your arguments and your good faith positions to them calling you a piece of shit or whatever the fuck he says. I mean, it was, um, I got to say, I was not expecting this one at all. Mm-hmm. I just kind of assumed you would never have Bosch on because I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about it. Um, you kind of explained with his appearance on the Hill, which I didn't watch, but um, mm-hmm. I, I've always, I used to watch Bosch back when I was, um, I, I don't want to be mean to people who watch Bosch, but back when I was a little more impressionable, let's mm-hmm. say. Um, and I was still kind of, I don't know, I was looking for leftist content and here was this guy who was at least, you know, calling out people for their shitty ass right wing takes. And I was like, well, great. At least he's doing it in a non nice way, yada, yada, yada. But it became very apparent to me over the course of like a couple of months that, oh, this is, this is an entertainment business that Mm -hmm. he's engaged in. Um, it's not, it doesn't like controversy is sexy, Mm -hmm. you know, it sells like people like to watch it. They like to, uh, engage with it. And especially in the gamer culture where there's a little bit of that, like misplaced machismo because there is a crisis with like manhood and, and, and men and boys in particular in this country. And they are particularly isolated and they don't really have a sense of whatever, and that gaming culture shit where you call people every fucking name in the book and act like you're so tough mm-hmm. online is like something that, you know, it attracts impressionable, lonely boys who feel like they have a, a group of friends to act shitty with and troll with. I mean, like, mm-hmm. th- there's a place for all of that, but the the level to which when it comes to actually engaging in discourse that's actually supposed to be, I don't know, productive, that's actually supposed to change something, that's actually engaged in more than just, I want to score internet points, because Mm -hmm. honestly, everyone dies. Who gives a fuck about scoring internet points? What the fuck are we doing? You know, like that doesn't get us closer to Star Trek. You know, (laughs) we don't, we don't get to Star Trek by scoring internet points. In fact, we, we, it's like the opposite. We die. We waste all of our energies doing something that's completely non-productive. Um, 
Sorry, I thought oh, I could get the Star Trek. Oh, there it is. Sorry. <laughs> I need to label my buttons. Sorry. A girl, I heard you play that stupid son of a bitch one, and I was like, oh, fuck, what did I say? <laughs> no, so I was trying to do it quietly so I could find it. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 like, honestly, every time you talk to someone, though, who is clearly either not necessarily bad faith, but is antagonistic. I am just impressed that you're not just like slapping a motherfucker. Like for real. I, I mean that for real, for real, because if Vosh had said some of the shit he said about you to me and I was like in public with him, where I finally had the conversation, like the chance to have a face-to-face conversation with him or at least a zoom or something, I would be, I'm not gonna lie. I'd be, I'd be a cold. I'd be pretty cold, right? I mean, like I would. I'd look what you shit. what you said about it being like WWE. I think is right. I mean, I don't. That's why. I mean, I don't, yeah. it's clearly a sort of performance. You know, he admitted yeah. that he hadn't actually watched the Ukrainian conversation with yeah. uh, Joe Cerencioni. He hadn't actually. Well, maybe I don't know if he had or hadn't watched the Marjorie Taylor Greene. Radar, but it didn't really sound like he had based on the things he was yeah. saying about it. You know, it's obviously yeah. this performative stuff that is not really about me, so I don't, I don't take it personally. And you're right; I, I, I would not have debated him when, when I realized the sheer volume of videos he was doing about me. My thought was, okay, um, he has a much bigger platform than I do. Uh, mm-hmm. He. If he wants to introduce people to me, no press, no such thing as bad press. And yeah. my decision was to simply just not engage with him or recognize his existence. I he's been muted for me on Twitter. He continues to be muted, <laughs> be muted on, on Twitter, and I just chose not to feed it because um, I didn't want to benefit him by giving him more. But I was happy right. for it to be happening and it didn't bother me. Yeah. And then when he came on Rising. And I didn't realize it to the morning right when it was about to happen. And I was a little ambivalent, but like it was my fault, right? Like I hadn't read the call sheet the night before. I didn't want to be the one that was like causing a problem for the producers. Right, right, right. It's a good get for the show. Um, the show's trying to like lead into to being an online show, you know, and, yeah, and they have online yeah. guests. So, okay, fine. I'm a team player. And then he was genuinely very polite and gracious on, on Rising. And it made me think, okay, like, I un- this is, doesn't erase what he said before, obviously, but may- there's obviously some part of him that feels like the social pressure to act right when face-to-face with someone. Mm-hmm. And I can use that, perhaps, to have a construct. I can, I can take advantage of this, like, respectability right. urge that he has. Right. Right. To have a constructive conversation, despite the temperature of the other things that he said before. Yeah. But more, moreover, because that thing happened on the Hill, I felt like it was, I had to say something about it anyway. Like I had to, I had to address why that went down and how that went down in the first place. Like, so I thought the best way to do it, I mean, if I'm going to have to have the conversation, I might as well just have it in the context of the podcast. Well, what happened on the Hill? I missed that. No, I mean, just the fact that I was talking to him anyway, because people thought that I had asked him on or, you know, like I needed to clarify how that even went down. Right, 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 right. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Because otherwise I look kind of crazy. Like, do I not know what he said about me? Like, I needed to clarify that it was just a 
you know, a scheduling thing. And it was my own fault that I didn't catch it early enough to really weigh in even. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I was, it's almost worse if he didn't watch your full video or if he did watch your full video on Marjorie Taylor Greene, because it was so, I think to anyone, God, I wish I could get to the mindset of everyone who was watching that, but how you had a moment where he conceded, you were going around and he was going around in circles about what he was trying to talk about or, or how he thought you were giving validity to Marjorie Taylor Greene and validating her. And then you said, well, what if I said that I first said, well, I know that Marjorie Taylor Greene is doing this in bad faith. I know that she's, he even used the words, uh, a broken clock is right Mm -hmm. twice or something like that. And you said, I don't think what she's doing is in good faith. And he said, well, if you would have done that on the Hill, Mm -hmm. it would have been really nice. And literally you play the clip of the first 15 seconds Mm -hmm. of that whole segment is you saying verbatim. Mm-hmm. Word for word, every one of those things. I know she's not in good faith. I know that uh, a broken clock is right twice. And mm-hmm. I don't expect her to actually go through with this. But let's talk about actually abolishing the FBI. I mean, it was, I, I think it's just, I don't know, people like Bosch, they kind of, uh, they depress me a little bit. Because, Why? well, because capitalism is so fucking good, Bree, at even taking shit that should be like legitimate discontent and turning it into meaningless bullshit that goes nowhere. And his whole plan, his entire plan is to sit around and don't do shit and to criticize the people who are trying to come up with alternatives. It's like capitalism has got him acting as an attack dog against his own motherfuckers. It's like, what are you doing, you dumb bitch? Like, please, please wake the fuck up. Like, wake up. Like, and it's like, and he's making his cash. He's chilling. He's doing his thing. He's getting his content. And you know what? He's probably, you know, going home, jacking off, playing video games, whatever. And he's fine. And it's Gucci. And it's like, we, people who are actually still suffering under the system continue to suffer. People do, who have. Do you guys see this? Like, I just want to, I want you, I want to know that you guys all see what I've been seeing. This weird pattern. I want to write something about this. It's so subtle, but this weird pattern of, of arguments that you see, there's a there's a through line through Vosh, through Ben Burgess, through all of the arguments that we've been hearing that is demobilizing. Yeah. It's not that yeah. they're all saying the same thing. It's not that they have the same perspective on various issues. But no matter what, all the people who end up arguing with me, the the, the common through line is they want you to do something later. Not right now. It's just not the time. Someone else should do it, not you. No, not that person. Or no, no, not that person either. And not now. You know, over and over and over again. Even at one point in the episode, Vosh said something about how now's, uh, you know, now's not the time. This isn't the moment. I was like, well, when is, when is it? When, when? Sure. What's the alternative plan? They never have an alternative plan. And they, they, they want you to prove that your plan is going to be guaranteed to work. Right. I got to tell you, I have no obligation to do in the absence of any other plan. Spoiler alert, too. The plans that you had, too, were good. Right? Even the plans that he had. There's a part where he's talking about the legislation that could be written. 
it yes. became uh, uh, when you're talking about so the legislation that could be written for reform because he, he had this a huge contention with this idea of well first of all he's calling himself a leftist and he's out here like but I like the police officers and firefighters <laughs> who protect us every day like shut the fuck up sorry I'm I'm going off a little bit but it's like it's goofy like that's your leftism knowing our history with it okay bet but he has this whole thing well well you have the same position as Marjorie Taylor Greene because you both want to abolish the police. And you say, well, I want to abolish the police, but I also want the left to actually open up a broader conversation of how we can at least, whether it's abolishing or reforming the FBI, uh, just open up that avenue of conversation because no one's having the conversation. And the only person who has opened up that avenue currently for that conversation is Marjorie Taylor Greene. And it's clear to all of us who are watching it that, yeah, you're doing the clickbait thing to spark because it's in the news to get people invested in the conversation yeah. and then to use that moment to educate them and potentially radicalize them or to get them to think differently to frame the conversation so later when marjorie taylor green comes back and they see that she's disingenuous because she doesn't want to do shit about it they we're standing there with the plan we're the part. ones that are actually prepared That's to follow it. through the, exactly yeah, it was giving exactly. me real force of flashbacks i gotta say and, and you guys will hear part two is a lot of force of vote, so buckle up but this, this part of the conversation was also giving me force of vote flashbacks because of this idea that, like, you, you got to prove the perfect mirror to the plan when, when what this should be right. is right. a joint left conversation about all of the opportunities before us and which ones we should decide upon based on, like, just strategy. Like, right. I, like I, I literally said to Josh, blank check. What what do you want Democrats to write? What kind of bill would right. you want Democrats to pass? Right. Whatever you want. This was obviously an opportunity to push for it. That's it. Whatever you want. Stay with force of vote. Whatever you want to ask for. Shoot, shoot your shot. Whatever you want to ask for. And they're right. just hung up on the idea that, like, well, whatever you once said that you wanted to ask for, I don't like. Okay, pick something else. Right, like, right. Exactly. They just are waiting for you to commit to anything so they can argue against that instead of offering their own solutions because they have nothing. Because they, at a certain point, you like, I'm not trying to cast aspersions. I don't really think that Ben Burgess doesn't want the world to get better or what doesn't want things to change. But at a certain yeah. point, it's like every word out of, your, out of your mouth is demobilizing. Every word out of your mouth is about how change cannot happen. Your brain is yeah. so big, you know so much about how nothing can happen. It's like, what's the point of you then? Okay, you don't think anybody could ever anything can happen. God bless. Go off in your corner and tell whoever wants to hear that that you're not changing the world. You basically said it's impossible. So go off. Why are you even talking to anybody? Go be an accountant. Like you don't need to have a show. For everyone 100%. else, no matter how futile it is, no matter how much we're gonna run into wall after wall, no matter how many setbacks we're gonna have, no matter how much it might be the case that we we try and struggle our entire lives and die three steps back from where we started. At least we tried. And if we want to struggle, let us struggle, but don't be the obstacle in our way. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. And with Ben, too, I mean, it's it's... Once I start seeing people having to, like, protect their own egos over the a liberation movement that they per, that they portend to be about um that just always strikes me the wrong, the wrong way like i will get in the tutu and dance on <laughs> on like right on the fucking bean in chicago 
just doing a little tutu all day, every day, <laughs> if I get guaranteed, like, okay, Medicare for all is actually a thing. Cool. Like, if you're going to be a revolutionary of any type, and they're saying, well, are you willing to, what, how far are you willing to go? You know, the idea of revolutionary suicide from Huey P. Newton. Uh, if you're saying, well, I'm willing to die for a better world, a better future, but you're not willing to look like an ass or yeah. to eat crow, yeah. like maybe, maybe, maybe do a little self-examination, my dude, because like, that's okay. It's okay. Like, that's the other thing. If you're wrong, just come out and just be like, yo, my bad. Yeah. Because you, the, the, the good thing about being wrong is, well, we now know that is, that shouldn't be an option in the future. So, you know, buck up, you know, get back up and get back out there. It's like losing a game. Okay. I lost, but we got to get back out there. And, um, you know, I just wish, I wish that was happening more, but you know, the content is the business model is call everyone a dumb fascist, you know, piece of shit and like a bitch and shit, which I, Ooh, this mother, like for real, like we, I, I'd be throwing hands. I'm not going to lie. Like it's, <laughs> I, I get hot blooded with people for shit like that, because I know you're not going to say that to me, like right here where I'm standing in your face. I know you're not going to say it. So don't you be like posing over the internet, bro. Like, don't, don't pretend you're somebody you're not. That yeah, said, well, look, I, I will say if, it, if this is just WWE and, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not like, I, I think it's, look, I, I, I did appreciate him coming to the table. And I do think that yeah. there were important, like, moments like of meetings of the mind that were achieved. Like, we, like, there, there were some, there was some, I, don't, I can't remember if it was in this section that we had today or the next section, but there was some important mutual acknowledgements about what's holding up the left. And I think it was right. constructive and I really do appreciate him coming to the table. And frankly, like, you know, not bringing the energy from his live streams to our conversation. So I want right. to give credit where uh, credit's he- due. He, he he deserved uh, okay i will give him a little credit but there was still some snarkiness <laughs> and some shit that he was like he knew what he was doing right there's some times where it's just like the condescension where it's like part of me wanted to be like motherfucker like what 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 even like credential do you have here with with these bogus ass arguments to be condescending to me like how about if you can respond to the actual substance of the argument i'm making if you could even just respond to the substance of the argument without moving it along, without creating a straw man or creating this tautology that doesn't need to be there, creating a false binary choice where there doesn't need to be anything and having absolutely nothing to say of your own about strategy, then maybe if you say just a little bit about any one of those things, like without doing any of that shit, like then maybe I'll let you, you know, call me a piece of shit once. Like, go ahead, we can, we can work it out, right? Like, but when your arguments are that bullshit, that bogus, that unthought out, and and they go nowhere. Some of that condescension's like you. Nah, you need to get. You need to know who you are. You need to know your place, dog. Like, don't come to me with bullshit. But I don't want to get hit about Bosch. I, you got a long queue. The last thing I wanted to talk about real quick is just the the RBN thing um, with Marianne Williamson. I know a lot of us. Uh, I, someone turned me onto it today. I think it was Fahim and like Andrew. By the way, Andrew says he sent you an email about some kind of um, about something, some kind of uh, show or, or a guest or some kind of story um, that on, he wanted on, you know. on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if it was on Twitter or maybe I don't know where it was, but he said he sent it to you. I think he's in the queue somewhere, too. But um, 
and I, God, I couldn't remember uh, what he wanted to talk about, but it seemed really important. And Andrew's always plugged into like stuff that's actually going on on the ground. Um, so that's, that's just a shout out to Andrew for, for that. Um, but with the Marianne Williamson thing, I, I know you haven't watched the whole thing. I, I, I think, I really think Nick in particular and, and RBN did a really good job. Um, I know there was some chaos at the end, but whatever. I do think, and you're gonna hate me for this because I know we've had such a lovely call. It's been so grand. Uh, we agree about so much, Bree. But I, I have to say, I, I think when I see stuff like Marianne on RBN, and it just sort of confirms all of our worst fears about her as a candidate, it convinces me more and more that we we need you to run. I'm not please, running. Just, so your please, options please. are your, please, your options please. in the Democratic primary. Like I, I had not and I never have disputed any of the legitimate criticisms of Marianne. All I have said is that Marianne Williamson is the only person who's not Joe Biden who has announced that they're running for president on the left. So that is correct. You know, and I, I fully I, encourage. I, I agree. If with you that. can draft someone to run, draft someone to run. I will never be running, so there's no point in having that conversation. But if you can draft someone to run, you you are like the most. If, I don't know what Matthew Hill is up to. I don't know what Green Party is up record. to. I, I don't I don't know what anybody else is up to, but like your laundry. if if you don't if you don't like the options, I like we've been talking about all the day. We got to work to expand the options. But if no one's going to work to expand the options and you can't get anybody else to run, then, you know, we have to actually think about this strategically and strategically. Is there utility for Marianne being on that stage as opposed to Marianne not being on that stage? And I think no matter who else gets in this race, it's a net benefit for Marianne to be on that stage. She'd have to say a lot of much more disappointing things than I've ever heard out of her mouth for her ever to be worse than Joe Biden. <laughs> so that's that's where I am. I think that's not really controversial, and it's exhausting and pointless to debate it because there's no debate. Obviously, Marianne is better than Joe Biden. It doesn't mean you should vote for her in a general. It doesn't mean you should vote for her in a primary if there's other good options in a primary. But to the extent that we can't figure that out, I mean, like, can I say, like, this is literally why I started bringing this up months ago, because I didn't want to be in this situation where it ended up that Marianne was going to run and everyone had all this bullshit to say about her, but hadn't done a single thing to figure out who should be there in the alternative. But that's what I'm trying to do right now, Bree. Well, I'm not running, Bide. Do you have millions of dollars to give me? No, so I'm not running. So it's like, I'm not a millionaire. You have to be a millionaire to run for president. I don't have any money. I have student loans. So (laughs) I'm not running. I don't want to be president. I don't want to be president. I I don't want to be shot. I know. I don't want to die. I I don't want to be busy. I I don't want to have to care about it. I want to sleep in. I want to exercise. I want to live my life. Yeah. So I don't want it. I'm not interested. Oh God! But and frankly, it's so hard and onerous that like I have a lot of compassion. Just like everyone was mad at Amy Vieira and the woman from Northern Virginia and all the people that I've had on the show who everyone didn't of want course. to run in the Democratic Party. But it's so hard, and it took so much out of them. And they also didn't have any money, you know, working class people. That like I have a lot more compassion, I think, for them than some other folks did. Because there, even if we thought that it was a futile effort, putting themselves on the line is like such a hard and human thing. 
and they did it for all of the best reasons. And I had a lot of they respect did. for that. So keep that in mind as you look around and everybody, everybody wants someone to run, but the candidates get treated real shitty. They do, but people already treating you shitty, girl. They okay. already treating you shitty. It's, it's, you know, it's like, okay, I'm not going to put, look, you are a, a godsend to the movement in what you're already doing too. And I'm not about like trying to get people to make sacrifices that are, that are frankly just dehumanizing and that would send just about anyone over the edge. I think running for public office, especially as office's biggest president is uh, just about the most dehumanizing, one of the most dehumanizing experiences you could probably have in definitely in politics, just the way they're going to dig through everything. They're going to fucking demean you. They're going to lie on you. They're going to, it's like all of that. So I get it. I get it. But it is hard for me to look at like the skill sets that people have and not think like, God damn, like you, it's, it is, people don't have what you got. Like the whole shebang of it. They just don't. Well, and I'm what sorry. I got I won't, I won't is not enough time, interest, or energy. So. That's fair. That's fair. That is okay. Well, I, is. I had to shoot my shot, Bree. <laughs> you know what it is. It is what it is. I had to shoot my shot. I just, okay, we'll find somebody, but whoo. I'm sure we will. And that should be an active, well, it's, you know, a little late in the game, but finding someone was supposed to, should have been something that we were actively pursuing. But I got to say, I've been bringing this up. I brought this up when RBN was on over the summer. I brought this up when Crystal Ball was on over the summer. I've been trying to have a broad conversation of who could be a good left candidate. But every time someone brings up Marianne Williamson, and for some reason people start frothing at the mouth and acting insane, and then we cannot have a conversation about anything else other than whether or not I will disavow Marianne Williamson. And, like, it's it's really – it's like the, the left is, like, ruined and has no options now. Because people refused to act like human beings and have a reasonable conversation about what it actually meant to draft an ideal left candidate. So now we are where we are, and it looks mm-hmm. like Marianne Williams' exploratory committee and potential run is all there is. And unless someone rallies, and which I strongly encourage, but unless someone makes that something an alternative a reality. People are going to have to decide whether they hate Marianne Williamson so much that they either sit out of the Democratic primary, which Shama Sawant said she did not advise doing, to be clear. Yeah. I said that's yeah. an option that I respect. And she says, no, 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 we shouldn't sit it out. And so if you don't sit it out, the options become Joe Biden, Marianne Williamson, or whatever other flotsam and jetsam from the neoliberal ranks decide to run. Hunter Biden. So Let's I didn't... go with Hunter Biden. Let's just... I didn't make that the reality. We made that the reality when we spent our time bickering about who hates Marianne Williamson's foreign policy more instead of recruiting Matthew Ho or drafting whomever and like figuring it out. So God bless and Godspeed guys. I I did my fucking best. (laughs) I did my best. Okay. Well, let's, we'll, we'll have the conversation about who has all of the qualities that are exactly your qualities that we could get to run. (laughs) Because I think that's what we're looking for. Okay, okay, I'm so sorry, right. but you, okay. Uh, okay, thank you, thank you. I appreciate you, bye. We're still going towards Star Trek. I'll see you next time. All see right, you. see you next time. Bye-bye. Uh, let's go to Rebecca 
Parson. How are you doing? Can you unmute yourself, Rebecca? Hi, can you hear me? Loud and clear. Oh, that's crisp. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't use my Bluetooth because uh, I constantly get people telling me it sounds like I'm underwater. And uh, yeah, I really wish the Bluetooth worked better. But anyway, I watched the Vosh thing and I've never watched him, but um, I was really curious to see how it would go. And I just I really love the way you handled his arguments and um yeah, it, it was frustrating in a way to watch, but it was a really interesting conversation. And, um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the presidential, um, you know, Marianne Williamson. And um, you know, when I ran in, for anybody listening who doesn't know, I ran in 2020 and um, then 2022 for Congress. And then the second time Marianne Williamson endorsed me to a bunch of other candidates. And um, she, out of all the people and... Uh, like all the individuals and organizations that endorsed um, over the two campaigns, Marianne Williamson is the only one who did any fundraising mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was also true for other candidates. So I really appreciate that. But mm-hmm. I share, you know, Shama's criticism. I, I just don't think it's a, um, I think if there's no other option and she's on the debate stage that maybe she'll do something amazing like she did last time where um, unless I'm wrong, she was the first person to bring up reparations. Mm-hmm. And then all of them, uh, all the rest of them started saying what their position on reparations was. And so if she pulls something like that again, that would be great if there, if there is no other option. But yeah, I would prefer a third party. And uh, it's really frustrating that, you know, Bernie ran the first time seven years ago <laughs> and then the mm-hmm. second time uh, three years ago. And now we're into the third or beginning of the fourth I don't even know year of the pandemic and we've known for so long and by we I mean you know the left Mm -hmm. like we've had all these critiques we've known we need something else we know we need leadership a lot of us including myself feel really disappointed in Bernie and like you I keep looking and listening to different people thinking well this person knows a lot about history you know this person has studied like every the a to z everything of you know socialist history maybe they have an answer and they never do Mm -hmm. (laughs) nobody ever does it's always Mm -hmm. the same it's always just like it's hopeless or we just need to organize or um but there's never there's you know i've even gotten to the point of you know i'll just dm people whose podcasts i listen to and like well what do you think i mean you know who's the like where's the potential for a vanguard party? You know, is there any organization you think could be it? And it's always just like, no, I don't know. Nobody could do it. Nobody could do it. Um, It's impossible. The vanguard party won't work in the United States. And actually I asked that one, the person who said that was extremely knowledgeable about history. And I was like, why wouldn't it work in the United States? And the answer was basically just American exceptionalism. And it's like, well, if that model worked in other continent wide, revolutions like Russia and China, why wouldn't it work in one for our country, which is also enormous. Like I just, it again and again and again, no answers. And uh, yeah, yeah, somebody said, please support workers strike back. I definitely do. And um, I, uh, yeah, after I lost the second time, I thought, what could I do with, you know, my donor list, email list. And I actually, I put up a poll on Twitter and I sent out a question to my email list and, you know, what issue do you think the left should be focusing on right now? And it was overwhelmingly labor. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to start a, I've been fundraising, it's been slow going, but I've raised about 5,000 so far for Mm -hmm. a national strike fund. And Mm -hmm. I'm deliberately 
only going to, um, it's specifically for workers that are striking um, or organizing outside of the unions that have sold out to the Democratic Party. Mm. Um, and so also there are like big unionizing efforts that are getting a lot of attention right now that are exciting. But at the same time, you, you dig into it and like the Ford Foundation funds the Amazon union. It's like, what what's with that? Mm. The Ford Foundation funds color revolutions. Why are they funding the Amazon labor union. That's really strange, but I've found like other, uh, you know, little pause of people around the country organizing and reaching out. Um, but it is still just starting, but it is like very kind of would mesh with what workers strike back, um, you know, wants to do. And that's, that's what I think the answer is right now is like, like getting away from leftists because we're never going to convince people. Like um, <laughs> we're just never going to convince Bosch, you know? And like, yeah. I actually, um, uh, um, I have a friend, you know, locally here where I am who um, came up with this amazing co-op plan. And the plan with the co-ops was not like a Richard Wolf thing where like, we can just co-op ourselves to socialism. It was a, uh, it was like a co-ops as a way towards revolution with political education involved and basically taking like a, uh, like a business school approach to co-ops and uh, I was going to do marketing. She was going to do sales because those are things that we each do. And we're like, okay, great. Let's start with a co-op. It's going to be something low cost. So we started a house cleaning co-op hmm. and like created a thumbtack profile and started doing some marketing, got our first customers. And we reached out, you know, to friends who like needed jobs and didn't have work. We're like, do you want to do this? We're like, Yes. And then we, uh, it didn't work because nobody wanted to go and just clean the damn houses. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, I have a, another acquaintance who was a donor to my campaign. Amazing. That's how I met her. She's a truck driver. And I won't get into too many details. I don't know if she wants me to say it publicly or not, but um yeah, like her company has hired leftist truck drivers and it's been a total disaster because they don't work hard enough and like they cost the company money and get into constant accidents. I was like, I'm sorry to sound like, you know, a moderate boomer, but like young people and leftists these days, they just don't want to work hard. And it's like, I think we could really just get away from leftists and get to like just workers regular employees or workers who have this like feeling that things are just unfair it's unfair like why it, just this kind of like broad inchoate sense of injustice yeah and they don't care about all the shit that leftists attack each other for online if you just come with a plan and be like here's my plan this is we're going to start co-ops. What's a co-op? It means that you get to have a say in what happens in the workplace. And then we just kind of, you know, we're not going to get into a bunch of theory and a bunch of like the stuff that me and every you and everybody on this podcast, like love to read and argue about, but most people don't. No, I hate reading. Um, they don't want to get into it. You know, it's like, it's just those people, it's just this big, broad, like group of people who, um, I don't know. Yeah. So th that's my idea with, I think you're so right. Can I tell you, I've been, I've been, you know, you know, I use my, I use, I use rising as kind of like a test kitchen, like a messaging test kitchen. Mm -hmm. And this week I went full, like I was struggling with topics, like all of the, all of the things that are really buzzy right now on the internet, all of the topics that get a lot of clicks on the videos are things that I don't want to talk about. 
like <laughs> Andrew Tate. Um, actually, the Pelosi Act has been performing really well this week, which is something oh, I always want to talk about. Um, you know, the Josh Howley put forward this anti-stock trading act for Congress right, members okay. and named yeah. it. The acronym is like literally P Pelosi. <laughs> and, and it like actually works out really well. Like, it's, it's like sometimes they do the, the acronym thing. It's like a stretch, but it's like prevent. Um, oh, wait, like, wait, wait, I got to Google this for you. Wait, it's too good. It's too good. Pelosi. Act. Uh, it stands for. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Come on, computer, don't die on me. It's got like a tiny sliver left. It's going real slow. Preventing elected leaders from owning securities and investments. <laughs> <laughs> That's so amazing. It's so good. It like yeah. literally flows. It's like it was yeah. made for this. So, yeah, that's so amazing. So that's been doing really well, but we've been talking about that outside of a radar. So it felt like beating a dead horse. Um, so I just did straight up like economic populism readers this week. And today's was like, I used two clips from case study, shout out case study. Uh, one of them was, was Sean Hannity going off about how uh, rich people are better than poor people and smarter than poor people. <laughs> yeah. I've never gotten the a other... job from a poor person. Exactly. Was... You, you yeah. know the one. <laughs> and the other one was Candace Owens arguing about that whole Stephen, Crow Stephen Crowder thing. But I don't care about that. In the concept of doing that, she was like comparing, excuse me, comparing Crowder to a bratty um, you, uh, uh, Amazon worker who just wants to go on strike for a three hour lunch break and the ability to work from home. <laughs> and I was like, you nitwit like is that what you think that amazon <laughs> workers are complaining about so i went through it, it was like the, the theme was the open contempt that rich people have for working people and if we let our media figures get away with talking about working class people like this imagine what they're doing behind the scenes in terms of policy and then i get into the third thing that i got into was that the lever david zaruda had reported on um this uh in texas they're trying to make it illegal using basically def defamation law to criticize corporate donations. So Better Work was complaining about this billionaire oil mogul who gave Greg Abbott a bunch of money. Um, and Greg and the oil mogul is suing Better Work for defamation. Okay. And it's it's like saying like, oh, you you're attacking my reputation by telling me that I'm trying to you're saying that I'm trying to buy politicians and stuff. And like <laughs> the, the coercive effect of that is crazy. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, now billionaires are trying to suppress your speech, not even allowing you to complain about the fact that they're trying to buy our democracy. So like, I, I did all of those themes, right? Like the rich, the rich are just trying to rig everything. The rich are tr they hate you. They have open contempt for you. They won't even let you complain. The blah blah blah. And the audience fucking loved it. Now, it doesn't go viral. It doesn't get, like, clicks the way that Marjorie Taylor Greene is right is. But the, if you read the comments, they are so qualitatively positive. Uh -huh. And it's just conservative after conservative saying, okay, Brianna's finally growing in me. Okay, like, thank you for standing up for seniors and Social Security. There's, like, a Social Security angle in there, too. Like, thank you. That, and and you're, so you're completely right, Rebecca. Like, it's, it's, like, it's not rocket science. If you just stay away from all of the polarizing shit uh -huh. and just drill home, the elites hate you. And here's the plan to fix it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, it's harder now because I, I just, over the last three years, I think people have gotten a lot, um, just a lot meaner, a lot more 
um, I don't like even I've noticed over the last three, four years, like the comments I get are much meaner. I, people have really like retreated into their corners and or, but I, I do, you know, hopefully it is still possible where you can just talk in these plain economic terms. And, um, you know, in like a couple hours for me, there's this little town called Aberdeen that was the site of a lot of um, IWW organizing 100 years ago. Mm. And they had a ton of communists there because they were fleeing like during the like before, during, after the Russian Revolution. So they had a bunch of like Finns and Russians and there were ones who were pro-communist, anti-communist. And it was really interesting, especially for such a small town. And um, nobody really remembers it now, but there are still things like I have a friend who grew up there. His family did, too. Mm -hmm. And his grandmother will like sing while she's in the kitchen. And everything she sings are hymns except for one song. And it's so wobbly song. And she's extremely conservative. And he said, you know, do you know what that song is? And like, that it's by communists. She's like, oh, no, Curtis, those people weren't communists. They just wanted us to have good jobs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, if that's all, if people like have no idea what your political ideology is, um, but they just know like, oh, that's the one that wants us to have jobs. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's fine. <laughs> you know, that's exactly it. So, yeah, I don't mm -hmm. know. I'm so frustrated with the left, like the amount of time that's been wasted. And I know people might say like me running in the democratic party, but uh, like we've just wasted so much time since 2015, 2016. And I'm completely done with the democratic party. I'm not, not doing anything with it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I really think something like um, workers strike back and my idea of what I've been working on. Um, and I've reached out to social alternatives. We're very close. Like we're only there in Seattle. I'm in Tacoma, but haven't heard back yet, but something like that where I'd love to see you guys working together. It just seems like it makes so much sense to consolidate efforts. Yeah. yeah. And so like my idea of it is, okay, we find these individual pods of workers who are organizing fundraise for them um, to, to strike, to, you know, keep organizing. And then when that money is fundraised, somebody from like me or somebody from the organization actually flies out there, meets them to give them the money in person and talk and meet them, get to know each other and just do that over and over and over again, 50, hundred, 200 times until there's this network growing around the country of people who are starting to be like networked in outside of a big, you know, business union, a big sellout union. And then after like six months or so of that, you could then have a meeting or like a convention or something, get people together and be like, we have, you know, the people here at this meeting are representing 50,000 workers or whatever it is. Um, why don't we talk and decide on something, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, do we want to talk about the 2024 election or do we want to do this? Or do we want to like everybody in the Florida region, you know, convenes and does a direct action, but we start to like th those power, that power in numbers yeah, and yeah. it can go in like unionizing to go in an electoral direction. But yeah, that's the kind of thing that I think we should be doing right now. Um, Cause like, uh, I'm just uh, very, very frustrated with the left right now. Um, yep. There's good people and people who, you know, want want things to be different like the people who who call in here very call in but um there's just so much backbiting and i thought 
the, there was another episode you did recently where people were agreeing like, yeah, there's a need for leadership on the left with burning the squad, not being it anymore. But anytime somebody does try to step forward and be a leader, they get viciously attacked and called a grifter. So like <laughs> the left is like, wee, wee, no, I don't like, I want daddy, but I don't want daddy. But no, I want. <laughs> well, look, I do think, I mean, what do you think about the idea? I mean, I, I have been, it has been interesting to me to see how almost uniformly Shama seems to appeal to folks. Mm-hmm. And she has, I mean, obviously the, you know, kind of the, the, establishment left media largely ignores her and i'm sure there are people in dsa who aren't fans of her and have accused oh, her are. of entryism and all of that unfortunately i hear from them but yeah i like her but generally speaking i mean even you know someone like marianne is polarizing even in the context of like this chat group this call uh-huh. group but in the context of this at least shama is seemingly very uniformly like i haven't seen i haven't seen anybody else since bernie get this kind of consensus support yeah if she were born here i would say she should run but yeah 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 well they were going to change the rules for arnold schwarzenegger weren't they <laughs> were they <laughs> i remember there was uh, some chatter about it at a certain point people were there were like exploratory committees to see if they could figure out how to get him president yeah. Definitely. Somebody said, like, no left political movement in the U.S. has succeeded without the clergy. Uh, that's another beef I have with the left is, like, the kind of um, um, above it all, like, anybody who's religious is stupid and narrow-minded. Mm-hmm. It's like, you are not going to get anywhere with that in, in a country like the U.S., regardless mm-hmm. of what your religious beliefs are. And I um, listened to a podcast a while ago about, like, the leftist movement in Turkey and like, why had it not succeeded very much? And one of the reasons the guest gave was, well, the left was associated with secularism and mm. like looking down on religion. And that just doesn't resonate with a population of people who are deeply religious, many of them. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Uh, what we did in our, I did like help with direct actions in Tacoma a couple years ago, occupying. Mm empty public buildings, stuff like that. And we deliberately, we have like our local hippie priest who would just call him up and be like, uh, he'll come down and he's like, you want me to wear my gear? I'm like, yes, please. And he, <laughs> you know, comes down and he's wearing his priest gear. And it's like, it just, um, it resonates with people much more. You can do more radical things. Um, when a member yeah. of the clergy is there, but anyway, that's a bit off topic. No, I, I think that that's right. And I wonder sometimes I wish I could get William Barber on the show. I sometimes am frustrated. I don't know. I, I think that the things that come out of his mouth are so wonderful. And there's so much potential in the org. In the, I, mean, I don't mean potential in a patronizing way. I mean, obviously, the, the Poor People's Movement does amazing things. But from a political perspective, I wish they were more adversarial and were willing yeah. to take positions and really, you know, be political and, and less just kind of like charitable. I don't know. Yeah. But who am yeah. I to say? I don't know. Maybe that's, that's not fair. I remember um, two or three years ago, uh, William Barber came to Seattle and I went to see him talk. It was really good. He's an amazing orator. Um, mm-hmm. And he was talking, he and, you know, organizers were talking about um, a protest they were going to do. And it was going to be at all 50 state capitals, 
plus DC all on the same day. And I don't remember what it was for, something to do with poverty, of course. Um, and they were pitching it as like, this is going to be the biggest protest in American history. And it's like, yeah, but uh, nobody will know that because you're not all in the same place. So if you have five people at the Wyoming State Capitol and 500 at the Texas State Capitol and all it like nobody will notice. And that's what happened. Mm. Like it, this protest came and went. And mm. so it's like, I don't know. He has amazing rhetoric, um, but not the somebody said on, on this call in earlier, it's almost like there has to be a nuclear disaster to get people's attention. It's true. Like imagine if COVID over a million people dead in this country if instead of that happening with covid it had happened with a nuclear bomb Mm -hmm. being dropped in american city or something related to uh, like a oil refinery explosion or something catastrophic like that it would have instantly we need to do something right now but instead because it happened slowly over three years it yeah can't get the look rebecca there's still time (laughs) (laughs) right Sorry, Miss Bleak, but like I, I, I appreciate um, your approach. I think it's the right one. Let me know if you need any introductions or anything with respect to to Shama. I'd be happy to help if that's at all necessary. Yeah, an intro to Shama would be great. Okay, definitely help. Thank you. Down so I don't forget because I've been promising promising a lot of intros this week and have fallen behind. (laughs) Shoot to Shama. Note made. All right. Thank thanks, you. Rebecca. Thanks so much for calling in. Thank you. Bye. Keep the faith. Jam, my man. What's going on? Sister, you've been <laughs> on my mind. <laughs> That's right. That, you know, that was my audition about. song for my acapella group. Really? Yep. Like, Bree, you got big karaoke energy and you need to come down to the city <sighs> so we can it. hit the uh, am... karaoke bar. I am a Aka queen. I am corny AF. Big theater kid energy. Whenever it was making fun of that uh, disinformation are or whatever, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's totally lame. I also think that's lame. I don't like it at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bop. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you was feeling it. <laughs> I was like, you know that Jay-Z meme where he's like nodding his head to the side of those big goofy glasses? <laughs> oh my God. Don't tell anybody. Oh my God. Us. He hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, bro. Like, well, what's on your mind tonight, Jim? Oh, uh, like you like real shit. Like you've been you've been on my mind like this past, like, these two episodes, like, being good. And I, especially with the first one with uh, uh, the week with uh, Shama and everybody, like, I don't get what, I don't get all the shit about, like, Marianne. Like, I don't, it's so, like, just going over, like, my fucking head. Like, I don't, I don't get all the, like, this pushback. Because, like, look, guys, at the Look, she's like, if she's running, like, she's running, like, they're like, that's just the reality, you know, like that. Yeah, that she's in. she's the one that says <laughs> she might run. Like, I didn't run her. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't well, choose her. I didn't run her. I don't. People are like, well, don't you care about this? I'm like, yeah. Like, 
I, I all of the things that you think are bad about her takes, I probably mm-hmm. agree with. But like, don't act like I didn't pick her. Yeah, but like, she, like, she wants to run, and I think it's um, a net positive. That's it. Yeah, like it's like yeah, but this per- the person that's running, like you got a choice to like to vote for the person. Now. Like that's like that's just it, and you come up with that, you know, like for your fucking self, you know. I don't right. get like the overall, you know, like pushback from it, and like I, I feel like what the left should be like focusing on and like thinking is like no matter who we should like disassociate with personality in, in politics, especially like for like president, we should have. The left should build up for ourselves to make our, our system and our plan for no matter who the fuck runs, no matter who the president, whether it be a Democrat or a Republican, we we have an agenda. We have a way to push them to our to our goals. So it doesn't matter like who's like for like for the right, like the um, evangelist, like uh, the, the evangelists, like Christians and everything. They don't really give a fuck at the end of the day who becomes like the nominee. They know that they're going to push them like for like for their abortion shit. You know, like it doesn't doesn't matter. Their gameplay, their game plan is like the same, no matter who's gonna who's like ascends like to that throne. Like they 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 can't whoever ascends like to the throne of the Republican Party can't be successful without you know without them. So like they have their game plan for whoever is the most viable. We're pushing them like in this way, but we seem like we're we're afraid to like you know swing our power around in that way. You know, so we're like, it doesn't yeah. fucking matter. You know, yeah, like, also, like, like, in the day, like, she's running, she's just fucking running. Don't vote. Don't she's running. Vote like people are acting like I'm her campaign manager. Like I'm yeah. not God. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like pick out of a, a vessel of perfect, wonderful, beautiful candidates and say, oh, I'm going to ignore all these other ones and go for Mary. I'm like, no, but look, I also don't want to, there's a way, like I, I'm trying to figure this out because I think that people have legitimate concerns. I also sure. think that people have legitimate concerns about Bernie, by the way. Yeah. I think that people have legitimate concerns about any number of candidates and it's difficult because there's a, there's a way that we, it seems impossible to really validate those concerns without seeming mm. like you're dismissing them at the same time mm. that you don't end up doing something that feels akin to shrinking the sum total of someone and their value down to their worst take. And mm. I don't know how to negotiate that because like, I do think that there's a lot that is substantively valuable and affirmatively positive about Marianne. And I feel like I can't say that without someone telling me, well, you're just throwing Palestinian rights under the bus. No, I agree with you about those critiques. I also think she's good on a bunch of other issues. And in the absence of an alternative, which again, that's the whole fighting for an alternative. The whole deal, like without an alternative, then like it don't fucking matter. (laughs) Right. Like, so like all all I'm saying, like, and this is the, I'm not doing a Vosh where it's like you only have two options. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Like, let, if you want there to be an alternative, let's go. Who's it going to be? Let's right. talk about it. I've been trying to talk about that for like six months. But exactly. everyone just gets focused on Marianne and wants to tell you all the reasons why Marianne is bad and doesn't want to open their mouth to say a single thing about who else should it should be or what else we should be doing. So here we are. And it's like to me, okay, so here we are. Frankly, if I were Marianne listening to all of this, I'll be like, Fuck y'all. <laughs> I'm not sticking my neck out here and signing up for this hell and all these attacks I'm going to get over the course of the next two years for you schmoes and you won't even support me in the least. If I were her, I'd be like looking long and hard at whether or not I want to put myself through this for this ungrateful bunch. Yeah. But if she's like- going to do it, I think obviously it's a net positive for the left. That's like That seems obvious to me. Like it feel like that feeling like like black people get where like everybody want to be a nigga but nobody want to be a nigga. Right. <laughs> like, say it, Paul Mooney. That's right. what that's what it, that's what it be feeling like. Like everybody want to be a nigga but nobody want to be a nigga. 
Right. Well, <laughs> we're talking about like this this boss shit. Like, listen, like if you want me to pull up and slide on a nigga, that's all you. That's all you got. Well, let me not incriminate myself. <laughs> if you allegedly <laughs> want, want me to pull up and slide like on a nigga, then let me go ahead. Let me know. You know, I I'm, I'm with the shits. <laughs> like, like I'm 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 the leftist with the guns. I'm with the shit. <laughs> like you know, I, I bees in the gym. I'm with it. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly, of course. Allegedly, yes. Allegedly, yes. Like puffery. Well, the shit, like one of the problems I got with Bosch is like one of the big problems I got with a lot of like mainstream. Well, not I don't want to say it, you know mainstream and like bigger like uh, commentators and stuff. One of the reasons I don't really watch a lot of, of like straight commentators is because I hate so much when people like talk about an issue or talk about a thing. Then they haven't like watched it or haven't consumed the thing that they're talking about. It makes me crazy. This shit, it, it's so fucking infuriating. Like Your whole I used job to watch is to watch content. And talk oh my about god! It. Like that's the only fucking thing. Like I used to watch like The View because of Whoopi Goldberg. Like Whoopi Goldberg always gonna be like a personal like a uh, uh, hero to me and everything. So you don't have to but, apologize for it. Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, is I'm just saying. Favorite film and hey. an ego winner and a real talent when she's not defending. Um, Mel, Mel Gibson. <laughs> like, listen, like, it's it's like two celebrities in this world where I know I'm going to, like, break down, like, crying and be, like, an emotional wreck. And that's going to be Whoopi Goldberg and LeVar Burton. If I ever meet them in person, <laughs> like, it's going it's going to be fucking over. I'm not going to be able to You're like you know, Troy like, from thing. Community? Oh, my. Like, I, fe- I felt that episode so deeply. <laughs> like, I, like, so, like, I felt that so much. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to tell the laugh on my Because I met a certain amount of, like, some like, celebrities before. Like, it's just been, like, cool. I've been, like, smiling and shit, but it'd be cool. But if LeVar Burton, like, says, like, hello, hello, Jam, I'm just, it's it. Like, I'm done. Like, you know, put 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 that on my tombstone. Like, <laughs> well, I hate that so much. Uh, people, like, like, first, first off, to me, I feel like it's disrespectful, like, to your audience. For you not to like to, yes. to try to like commentate on something like that you don't really like know what the fuck you, you know like you're talking about mm-hmm. you, you know and like he openly admitted it during like the episode and didn't see any problem with it and it's <laughs> one thing to like not watch it and kind of have a casual opinion that's not good mm-hmm. but it's like okay but to be like oh my god this person should burn in hell with a fire of yes. a thousand suns and you haven't even yeah. watched the content <laughs> like what like, I was so I was surprised that you that you did like did the episode like um that you did it with him. I I can I commend you for it. Like I always um I bring bring this up to you. Like I'm glad that you're willing, you know, like to get into the weeds, really suss out stuff to show, you know, like to really like, show audiences, you know, like real good faith, you know, like conversations and like open them up, you know, like to um to like what left actually like is and just like good faith like arguments and everything, you know. I've told, said like to you like before like people people can suss out like the bullshit one like bullshit once they see it being confronted for truth you know um and like I said, always always commend you and appreciate you for doing that but uh, then you know, but at the same breath you know allegedly if, you, if you're feeling that way just <laughs> <laughs> you're too much lol well, I I really do appreciate you Jim. Uh, it's, 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 it's all love. I, I see, I see the QQing and, uh, I'm gonna have to, I gotta get, I gotta get to the bed too. And my, my foot finally better, so I'm back in the gym happy oh, about good. that. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I still gotta go after this. I should probably yeah. cut myself off and stop sipping this. Yeah. I poured myself a tiny little glass of whiskey. I always measure 
I always mm. measure my pores. So like one little serving mm. and it looks huge right now because my ice melted and I put a ton of ice in it. Mm. And I was going to try to finish it real quick before I went on my run. And now you're reminding me that I should just cut myself off right now. I'm cutting if myself you get off. A, if you get a chance, if you're not on this episode or the next one, it's like related to the, um, related to the topic where you're talking about like abolishing like the police. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like the biologist, like the uh, FBI, uh, Andrew, I know, uh, he might still be in, like in the chat, has really good like info on um, like how like uh, one like a political party in Mexico, like uh, end up abolishing one like some like their federal uh, police. And he, I, I really like listening like to Andrew, too, because he got a lot, a lot like on in the ground. Andrew, you know, who's like, third stuff. from the front? I do. I don't know like his picture on here. I believe it's changed. But I'm like, no, it's like, um, well, Andrew like, third from the front is going to get gotten to because he's third from the front. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to bring that up to you. But have a good night. Keep the faith as always. Thank you. You too, Jim. Keep the faith. Always. Now, who was I about to call on before I started scrolling around? I had someone in mind. Okay, let's go with uh, Mason. What's on your mind tonight, Mason? Hey, Bree. Hey Mason, How's, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, I, I'm just thinking about the the that shit storm that we saw on RBN today. Um, I I, mm. I really I don't I don't have a lot of words, but I also have a lot of words. So I, I don't know. I don't even know where to start on it. I just think um, that there are some valid criticisms of Marianne. I want to like preface this by saying I have no intention in voting for Joe Biden. I will not vote for Joe Biden. It's the first time I'm ever going to be able to vote, and I will not be voting for Joe Biden. I do not mm-hmm. care what the scenario is. Um, but I think it's it's kind of, like, stupid to leave the primary uncontested, too. And mm-hmm. I think doing that with somebody who has expressed at least an openness to running third party afterwards, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't – I understand the criticism. I do, and I was hoping for, like, a reasonable discussion. But what we saw was not that. You know, and like even Nick, who at the end said he was embarrassed at how the other people behaved, he went into it. And at the end, he, he even said, I got the sound bites I wanted. And mm-hmm. that, that really goes to show what the intentions of that interview were. Um, and, and I feel bad for Sabby because what, what she had to sit through and even she at the end was like, that was embarrassing. Um, yeah, I, I only caught the, the tail end. So, because I was watching my own stream, <laughs> sorry, I was watching my own live play. So, um, I only caught the end, and I, so I'm not entirely sure. I, 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 it seemed like she had before that given some answers that were not maybe great, um, but I mostly just saw the, the fight at the end, um, and I saw some of the tweeting afterward, um. In the optics of, you know, advertising subscribers being up as a, you know, and kind of celebrating that that was a win feels a little also like maybe the goals of this were not. Yeah, I I just feel like there's kind of this, this obsession that we've seen recently with some people on the left, which like I, I totally commend them for the, the good journalism that they do yeah. and like the good things they do talk about. And there were good questions in that interview. But, like, there's, like, this sort of obsession with, like, rage porn and, like, getting clicks. And, like, I, I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem like it's in good faith a lot of the time, you know? Yeah. I mean, look, even when I disagree with people, 
I'm rooting for them. You know, like when I have when I have someone like let's say Jim Zogby on, I am not hoping that they answer my questions in a way that makes me angry. I'm not hoping that they give me answers that like prove they're a fraud. When I get into fights with people on the podcast, like I, like I got into it with Jim Zogby, like I obviously got into it with Joseph Cerrone, I'm hoping that they're going to agree with me. I'm hoping that I'm going to ask them questions and they're going to give me satisfactory answers and that we can all just learn from whatever they know. Like we're just getting knowledge out of them. I'm not coming into it, even someone like Ryan Graham or someone who I've had a specific disagreement with, like the hope is to resolve the thing and to get on the same page, not to own them, even Vosh. Like I wanted us to come out of this agreeing that it would be good for the left to exploit opportunities like the Marjorie Taylor Greene moment to to at least put forward some legislation that could help distinguish who the Democratic Party is as a compared to Republicans, that we have an identity that's more than just not Republicans and that we can put forward things that are genuinely populist and interesting and anti-elite. But, like, I don't like the idea of bringing someone on just to own them and or just to prove that you were right about what you thought about them. It doesn't like it doesn't sit well with me. And I, I don't want to like talk too much about it here because I would rather have an opportunity to talk to them about how it goes. And like I'm not interested in like having any additional beef or anything. I I like Sadi a lot. I mean I've liked all of the guy I liked all of them in the past. Of course, before this Marianne stuff, they were on my case all week for reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> like mean... I, I, and I just ignored it because again, I'm not. I have no interest in attacking them. I have no interest in hurting them. I have no interest in causing fewer people to watch their channel uh, in the aggregate. Just like I said to Vosh, I think that they're on the aggregate. They're pushing people in the right direction, and if they want to yell about me for a while, it doesn't really bother me. It doesn't really affect me. But again, I'm in a privileged enough position for that to be the case. But, like, it gets to a certain point. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I, I don't know. I, I really do. Like, I went – the the reason why I found them was literally through Marianne because she came on your show a while back. And, like, I was really happy to see some people doing good journalism and good work. But, like, it, it kind of – I just feel like they've missed the plot a little bit. And I don't know. Maybe it's just, like, a heat-of-the-moment thing. Maybe this is just, like – uh, they were already so far into it with like the fat, the past few weeks, you know, um, they've been gearing up with this. Oh, Marianne, this Marianne, that of course it wasn't going to go well when the interviewer, you know, like, I don't know why she did it. You know what? Somebody asked me last week if I was working for Marianne, I promise you, if I were working for Marianne, I would have told her not to do this interview because <laughs> <laughs> there was obviously nothing good that was going to come out of it. I would have told her to go maybe interview with Sabby. And I, I hope there's still a possibility of that happening. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just want to see some good discussions. And, like, I, I get the people who have concerns. I, I, and like you've said before, they totally had that right to not vote in the primary, to go work on mutual aid, to go do these things. I'm totally in support of what Shama's mm-hmm. doing, 110%. I, I'll post it on Facebook to all the shit libs and Republicans that are in my family. Like, I genuinely, like, I'm totally on board with that. I just think like like beating the dead horse is really counterproductive to like actually going out and doing these things that they're like 
well, we should put our energy into this. And they're actually putting their energy in just like shitting on Marianne. You know what I mean? I'm trying to just think this through and make sure I'm not being a hypocrite. Because earlier I said, like, it's important for people to be angry at Joe Biden because people need to understand that the Democratic Party isn't going to save us and pursue alternatives. So am I being hypocritical by not saying that there is value in people, you know, being angry at Marianne for whatever take and like seeing her as like the enemy and the not one and it's not the true leftist we should be rallying behind? It, it is. Am I having an inconsistent position there? And I think for me, the difference is like that I'm not advocating for anyone to, to vote in any way or to give money or anything like that. I think that even if you like, so there's no like conflict of interest, like it's not like funneling people back in the democratic party. It's not telling them to use their resources and time there. It's a, it's a primary context, not a general election context, which seems to me to make such a big difference. I think it would be, I think it would be great if the left had put their minds together and had like, five progressive candidates to choose from in the primary that we narrow down over time. But like, I just, I'm really struggling to see how the left is benefited by having this level of vitriol and focus on Marianne Williamson. Yeah. Like, I feel like, I don't know. I'm, I'm opposed to Joe Biden as a president and opposition in the primary is still opposition. Um, like, in general and then there's also like the idea that like strategically showing that there's a divide in his own party like that that's a that's a strategy thing too and i think like i don't know i just feel like people are taking this as like more than it is you know what i mean like it's like this big issue this big thing and like all it really does is pisses people off and gets clicks and like i i really do like want to reiterate that like there are a lot of great ideas out there. I, I want to see people running ballot initiatives. I want to see people working on the local level. I just think this is part of it, you know, like this is just another thing. And yeah. if if Marianne goes and ends up endorsing Biden, then the joke's on me. And I, I'll say that because at the end of the day, if that were to happen, which Can I, I don't ask her about though, that, by the way, because that would have been a good, a really um, good line of I, questioning. They, they did a little bit. Um, but I, I don't know, the conversation was kind of weird because they spent several minutes just, like, crapping on the fact that she's kind of, like, they were like, you like Bernie still. And, like, it, it was kind of weird because, like, I, I don't see how that discussion is productive. And she was literally, like, for most of that thing, she was like, I understand where you're coming from. Like, I mm. really do. And I think her and Sabby were the only two people that went into that interview with a willingness to have a discussion, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like it was, it, it was really disappointing because I was hoping for a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm not looking forward to watching it, but I suppose I have to. All right. Uh, it's just, uh, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good i wish we could sometimes just do things that felt good no i definitely feel you and that's why like right now i'm looking at like what what's going on locally like go to your city council meeting because i i, I like i've just been seeing so much people that are online arguing about this if you're really like frustrated with all this if you're disillusioned go to your city council meeting see what they're doing 
you know what I mean? Get involved in like the local stuff because people love to talk about, oh, mutual aid, oh, local stuff. Go do it, you know? Yeah. Amen to that, Mason. Look, thanks for calling in. Yeah, thank you for having me. Keep the faith. Sean, oh, we've got a lot of cute animals coming up. We've got like a triple header here. Sean, Sarah, Andrew, just cute little cuteness. Well, thank you. <laughs> I try. <laughs> uh, well, I just want to put out there that I am a first-time caller, so I'm definitely excited and oh, welcome. at the same time. <laughs> thank I've you. I'm really I... slow on the soundboard tonight. <laughs> my apologies. Well, thank you. I did get a brief introduction from my partner, who's also listening on the first row as well. He's called a couple of times, so I did have a little kind of like show. Is your partner this other dog? No, um, he's Tyler, and with the oh, hi Tyler. So sorry, hi. you leaded me to drag you into this. No, he's listening. He's right next to me too. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> we're 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 like that family. We, we believe that the family that listens to Bat Face together. Wait, together. wait. So you guys are like side by side in the same room, both logged in and calling in on two separate phones. <laughs> I feel judged and seen, but yes. That is hilarious. Okay, MVP goes to Sean and Tyler. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> yes, and we try to get our mom to like, listen in whenever she comes visit. So, um, so, and we make her watch Bat Faith on YouTube too. So. Oh my god, that's too so. funny! You guys are all stars. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, um, I I think I was galvanized to call today just because I was probably one of those people that was like listening into the this episode and I was like, why is she talking to her? Why why is she talking to Vosh? Why is she doing this? And then as I'm listening further, I feel like there's like a breakdown, you know, going on the conversation with them. And I was just kind of like, okay, I can see the method to the madness. I can see that there is something to it. I'm still not there yet but it <laughs> it's breaking down and i guess it probably comes from ptsd for me being in north carolina where there's a lot of like strong democrats that do and mostly dixiecrats who still do nothing and want to control and kind of cattle in the votes as much as they can and bully you into submission and mm. so that's probably why i'm like there's no point to this because I've been through this a hundred million one times, but I still have to learn to break away from that type of mentality where it's like, no, you know, you do need to engage. If someone's willing to have a conversation with you, it's worth something. And it's worth to just kind of like, I don't know, hash it out. Even if they don't genuinely want to be, I don't know. It just seemed very bad faith of him. No pun intended. Um, having the conversation. But if there are fans of his listening and you can break down that communication through his fans, like then there's a win. Sort of similar to what your argument was with him about Marjorie Taylor Greene. It wasn't necessarily about Marjorie Taylor Greene, but a broader 100%. audience <laughs> that you can just grab a hold on to and just like break down her argument and break down her support at the same time. You know, with people who you can just capture instantaneously just by saying, yeah, you're right. And here's how you can do it. 
Yep. And let me tell you, it works. After I, after I debated Charlie Kirk, I'm not, I'm not even saying, I'm not saying that 90% or even 95% of people were with, like, I'm saying like it's small percentages, maybe two, three, four, five percent of his audience were, were like this, but there were enough comments that said, I don't even like Brianna, but I respect that she was here. I don't even like Brianna, but she made some good points. I don't even like Brianna, but I'm going to listen to this podcast and see if I understand her better. And it's the same after I talked to Jank. It's the same after I talked to Sam. It's the same, like every single time I'm in one of these contexts, I feel my reach and my audience grow and the number of people who are open to what I have to say grow, grows. And that's a net, that's a net benefit. Coleman, Coleman Hughes, Andrew Sullivan, like these, these things matter. And having reputation as someone who isn't afraid to defend their beliefs is big. It's important. It's also good practice for me. It's good, I think, modeling for how these things can go. And I think substantively, and I think you'll see more of this in the second half, we do like break through and understand each other in these moments that I think are really useful. Right, right. And and it, and also I would say it also helps viewers like me have that kind of conversation with people that I engage outside of, you know, my little sphere. It, it kind of encourages me and gives me like a, a blueprint on how to have a conversation with other people um, who, you know, are going to come at this sideways or with that faith or just assume that I am not. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, I don't know. I still have PTSD because I was, um, I live in North Carolina and I am a third party voter. <laughs> um, yeah. So oh, did you I'm vote for gonna... Matthew Hull? Uh, for Matthew Ho, no, I actually voted for Sherry because I um, did not vote. I don't know. Did you? Do we? Do we? Do we have a reason why we didn't vote for? We, why? I know we both voted for Sherry. Sherry <laughs> <He> did. <laughs> he did. We did. We did. But for both the presidential elections, we uh, voted third party. Free. So okay. We don't know if you saw her commercials, but Sherry's commercials were so pitiful. We felt bad not voting for her. <laughs> God. Okay, I don't know much about. It it wasn't it wasn't good. It, it wasn't. Okay. But well, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. You go ahead. I, I don't know. Have some some good to say. Oh, uh, and I was just gonna say that I I had a friend from my acapella group actually, um, who is from North Carolina, and we haven't spoken since 2020, um, because no 2016, um, because we were at a mutual friend from our acapella group's apartment and having, you know, a little cocktail snack party. And the, the election had just happened. It was like probably like February of 2017, actually, or like just before the inauguration, maybe. And um, Trump was heavy on everybody's minds. It was new. People were very upset about it. And I was not a political figure. I was just a, 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 lawyer minding my own business but i had my thoughts feelings and opinion and was living heavy on twitter and i said something about how like oh well you know there were a lot of reasons people voted for trump and they weren't having it she was very upset with me just for context everybody else was white okay Mm -hmm. um she starts going in about how trump is going to be harmful to all of these marginalized groups da 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 
And it became really clear to me. She got very upset, started crying and left. And her husband also started shouting at me and stormed off. And what I realized was that she was, I think, more defensive because she came from a rural community in North Carolina and felt the need to distance herself from the, from the people that I was able to be more kind of open and empathetic toward, you know, because I had this like natural distance between me and a Trump voter. Nobody was going to think I was identifying with a Trump voter. I'm a black woman. There was all of this stuff that made me, I think, better positioned to be more introspective and open about what the various motives were, where she felt this kind of like, draw and quarter the wagons against the threat that she has lived so close to her entire life. And I have a lot of um, empathy for where she was coming from emotionally, even though I was kind of irritated in the moment. And I hope, well, one day we can reconnect because boy, oh boy, does she have the voice of the angel. And she auditioned with Alita Adams get here, which I couldn't believe it. This little, this short little strawberry blonde white girl comes in with this powerful voice singing get here by Alita Adams. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Blew my mind. <sighs> anyway, I, I'm just saying I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> it's hard down there. It's hard out here. It is. It is. And I love the, uh, like, Dixiecrats here who are, like, blue no matter who, came from very rural areas here in North Carolina. But um, I did not. I grew up in D.C. Um, then mm. moved here at, a uh, like, high school, middle school, high school-ish age. And, um... And then we kind of like fell into politics here. Like my mom worked for um, uh, a state office here and the politics was just awful. But mm-hmm. um, I, I just noticed like, as I got older, a lot of people who came from out of town were very adamant trying to like hide their their rural upbringing. They changed their accents. They got rid of any Southern mm-hmm. accents. They got um, <laughs> the biggest cars, the biggest houses. Mm. And they they made sure that their political views were their identifying marker. Mm-hmm. And um, similar to you, like, as a person of color, I'm just kind of like, I don't need to have people worry about me necessarily like that. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like, I, I kind of see that with people of color who want to be Republican or vote conservative. They want to make sure that, hey, I want you to see that I am not... <laughs> I'm a free thinker. I can think independently outside of my race type of thing. The same is true for the Democrats. When I see, you know, uh, um, you know, some of those very, very Caucasian and came from a community that looked just like them, things um, very similarly, and they want to be different. And I understand that. Like, it's a, it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And you want to kind of go beyond that. But at some point when... <laughs> the the conversation is just so i don't know how we think of a word and you're superficial so yeah superficial it's lots lots of substance lacks critical thinking it Mm. just you just become stalemate and i think of the horseshoe theory that's brought up all the time with this uh especially with this episode today Mm -hmm. where the argument is you probably know the argument where like mm-hmm. far right, far left are so far that they bend and they become similar that mm-hmm. I no longer see us left and right, but really top and bottom because mm-hmm. of the top of the unicorn at the shoehorn horseshoe is really the elites, moderates, mm-hmm. people who want to, you know, um, keep things at a status quo that doesn't change 
anything beyond their material condition, while everyone else at the bottom are fighting for scraps, and we are arguing over drag queen brunches and mm-hmm. story time or transgender bathrooms or anything like that. Um, because the people at the top or the center of the shoehorn are like telling you to think, you know, one side's bad for the other. And yeah. it, you know, it just gets very frustrating a lot down here <laughs> to have these kind of conversations and yeah, but anyway, yeah, I can I, appreciate that. Like I said, like I, even as they were um, storming out of the apartment over this crudite, <laughs> I, I understood what was happening and I was trying to be like, I was, I was very calm. I was just really trying to talk them down, but I, I understood where they were coming from emotionally and why it was so difficult. Like, I, I get it. Like I'm not, I hold no grudges or anything. Um, and I know that I'm in a position to be a little bit bolder in these things because I am also a person of color. Although Sean, this dog is looking pretty white. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he has a very black dog brother. So. <laughs> okay. This is just a, this is a, this is a mixed dog I'm looking at. It's just got all the recessive genes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> this is the Halsey of dogs. <laughs> uh, I don't know if Zeus will appreciate that, but I don't know. He's sleeping in the hall, so you may not care. <laughs> All right. Okay, let me go before I get myself into more trouble. <laughs> it's been nice talking to you both. It was great, it was great chatting with you as well. And um, we uh, we go to detail all the time, so we would love to just like randomly run into you one day. Oh, holler, holler! <laughs> I should, we should do like events. Like we should have like mixers or something. We live in a society. Ooh. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. We can like I don't, know, I don't know. We're Star Trek geeks too, so we watch episode day. So we can. Oh my god. Know, okay, we we need to. What we need to do is really coalesce around a convention. But I don't know if you guys are ready for that. <laughs> I, it's been my mission to do one. I keep, I literally I save money and then something financially tragic happens and I can't go to the Las Vegas oh, convention every single year. Oh, I've so. never been to Vegas. I also dream of Vegas, but I went to one in DC. It was like a Comic-Con last year and William Shatner was there and I was the last person at the front of the line before they told him to rap. And he very clearly wanted to talk to me because I was wearing my, um, um, what do you call it? Mirror Universe Uhura outfit. And you know, he's a little bit of a lech. So I could see him eyeing me from, from the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and he was clearly was like wanting to say something inappropriate to me so badly. I like live tweeted it. He said so much crazy shit. It was amazing. Love William Shatner. Completely unhinged. You got it. You got to go. We got to figure it out. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to push on. So okay. nice talking to you guys. Keep the faith. Great. Keep the faith. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Let's go to Gregory. How are you doing, Gregory? On mute. Hello? Hello. Hi, Brianna. Oh, my God. uh, First-time caller as well. (laughs) Whoop, whoop. Oh, my God. How are you doing? What's on your mind? Uh, Wanted to talk about – kind of nervous here. Jeez. Uh, okay, so Vosh, yeah, totally a jerk. Um, <laughs> um, what do I want to talk about, Vosh? Um, <laughs> okay, so, um, oh man, what do I want to talk about? <laughs> okay. okay, okay, so yeah, okay, go ahead. Go is ahead. it? Were, okay, just 
yes or no worth okay did you, did you i'm not going to be upset with whatever your answer is okay. did you feel like it was ultimately did, did when when you saw the episode description did you think oh yes i can't wait to listen to this or oh lord this is going to be a disaster um i didn't really have any kind of preconceived notions at all i think you know i know who Vosh exactly was? well i do know who he was he's like a debate bro you know mm-hmm. and uh i find him to be not really productive uh like what you're doing makes so much sense. Like the other caller was talking about, like how you're like, you're kind of like contrapoints where she got like people from the right to like, kind of see a whole different way of thinking and like actually getting them to like, just use like, and not make them feel like inferior, just kind of let them in on like, to understand of like a better way of looking about things. I think that's what you do when you go on these, like when I saw you talk to, um, these right wingers, you know, um, you talked about going on this one guy's show and he's a total douchebag, but, um, sorry for the swearing or whatever, but, Charlie um, Kirk? yeah, Charlie Kirk. Yeah. I saw that. And that was like, okay, I know exactly what you're doing because you're talking to his audience and try to get them to your, your side at least, or mm-hmm. at least let them think a little bit more. And I feel like that's way more productive than what he's doing. Cause he's like, he was just like, like in that thumbnail that you have, he's like, has his big finger wagging. He's like trying to get you into this, like, uh, like I gotcha kind of thing. And like, he wins the war, you know, but really you won the war by like, actually, because even when you talk to people that are like trying to make a point, like you got the broader sense of like, let's try to understand each other and see what we can like agree on. Mm-hmm. I just find that just so productive and like, and yeah. So like whenever I, I think I first listened to you with, um, she was a doctor and she wrote on Du Bois, I guess. She's kind of like a Marxist. Mm. I forgot her name. Oh, Dr. CBS. I think so. I think so. She, Sh- she's Sharice great. And Shelley. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 She's amazing. And, yes. uh, Yes, I actually was listening to her, and then she went on to your show, and then I'm like, oh, man, who's this? I'm like, because uh, I kind of like what she was talking about, because I'm – basically, I'm going into politics because I'm just trying to understand, like, like where communism and totalitarianism and, like, like where do they meet, and are they the two of the same head coin and stuff like that? I just don't understand. And, like, if, if we're all about, like, you know, free speech, why do we just let communism, like, work its way out, and, like, if capitalism is so much greater – then just let the two have it out instead of like trying to quash the other one. Anyway, that's mm-hmm. a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but so anyway, so I, quite the insight there. Yeah. When, yeah. When, when uh, Nick came on rising and got into that disagreement with Robbie about communism, socialism, I thought that was a, an interesting point that got raised, which is oh. if it's, <laughs> if it's, if it's really so superior, why are you, doing all of this world building uh and imperialism to try to make sure that communism can't exist anywhere in the world why is why is communism anywhere a threat to democracy everywhere or whatever yeah yeah exactly and like and just like you being on rising too like robbie like he seems like so like right right before you even got on there like robbie was just a total libertarian but like you guys warmed up to each other and i see him being more reasonable towards you towards like your ideologies i think and you're not trying to force them or anything like that but yeah yeah i just i really see it growing into something kind of special actually but i yeah. don't know yeah yeah it's really... I, I feel it too and I, I feel like honestly i mean like i'm never gonna be 
libertarian. I mean, not in yeah. the way that Robbie is, but right. I, I do understand there. I, I have learned things from Robbie for sure. Yeah. Okay. And the critique, you know, some of the libertarian critique of government malfunction isn't wrong. Now he will say the government malfunctions, so we shouldn't have a government. And I'll say the government malfunctions because it, it's corrupt. You know, it, it's being, it's been designed by people who wanted to malfunction, all those kinds of things, and it should be fixed. But still, he is able to, you know, lobby a lot of substantive and good critiques of that malfunction, even if we have different solutions. You know, mm-hmm. and so yeah. Yeah. He's corrected me on any number of things, you know. He's right about some of the stuff with respect to, um, uh, what do you call it, um, patent, patent restrictions that prevent um, access to pharmaceuticals, and mm-hmm. there's there's certain there are there are some regulations that are not necessarily helping. I mean, you know, I learned I learned things from him as well, and it's, it's been a very useful collaboration for me. Yeah, I think it's been great that you've been on there. And I, I was watching Rising before you got on there. And I was like, this show is just crap. But like, but then I feel like you totally added something. And then now I see how they're like, but it's like two sides and you're not arguing. You guys are actually conversing and like talking. So I just, I find that really, really great that you're on there. Um, but there's like, like that, that one episode you did with Joe Cicerone, mm-hmm. what was his name? The letter, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like that one part where you just blew his mind about like, I didn't care about Ukrainians. Like, you know, like, okay. well, I've like, okay, okay. I'm not saying that. <laughs> that's but, not exactly how it went. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's that I wasn't going to be kind of bullied into a certain position because of the reality of the humanitarian crisis. The question is, given that there are so many humanitarian crises around the world, why are we committing militarily to this one? If it's just mm-hmm. about alleviating human, human suffering, there's a lot of ways we could do that that didn't involve getting into a war with a nuclear power. Right. Yeah, and that's such an old trope, and I'm just so glad that you blew his mind on that. <laughs> just because I was like, yeah, like we're American imperialism. Like we are just we we like we kind of like use like women's rights in afghanistan to like just like oh we're gonna liberate them mm. and stuff but like we're we're just using it as a cultural like it's just and it's it's just sick it's just sick how we do that and like we think we're like here to like solve everyone's problems and we're just there only out of our own uh self-interest you know and um but i but the the thing is like i agree on all these things that you that you talk about but like I'm not so I don't I'm still trying to understand why we're in Ukraine and there's this guy that I want you if you could interview him that'd be amazing. His name's Vlad Vexler. Have you heard of him on YouTube? I don't think so. Okay, so he actually is a very he's like he kind of considers himself as a philosopher, but he's like this ex-Russian pat and he has so much knowledge on Russia. And I hear you and Aaron Mate like talk about like it's like you know Donbass. It's a more of a Russian. They should be able to you know, go back to Russia because that's what they want. And I think that's like another like cheap way of looking at it. And I think there's so much more nuance to it. And if you interview this guy, that Vlad Vexler, I really appreciate it because it's Vexler V E X L E R. Yeah. It's, it's Vlad V L A D. And then his last name is Vexler V E X L E R. That would be just amazing. If you like maybe talk to him and have a comment, I think that'd be really, um, I think, and he's really good at interviews too. Like he's really good to talk to, because um, you had that person with austerity, that book, that one woman um, uh, interview. Clara, 
what is this making quizzing me on the name of every guest <laughs> right i just but that's the thing like you keep on interviewing these people that i've been following i'm just like oh my god i how'd you i'm like you're like in the same mind as i am but i just want you to get to <laughs> vlad vexler and i would really appreciate because you you really uh convey words that i can never convey and like talk about conversations to and get these these truths out that i mean i that I can't get anywhere else. So I just really appreciate if you interviewed him and talk about Ukraine and Russia. And I think it would be really great for the whole community that, that you listen to. All right. Well, look, thank you for the suggestion, Gregory. I took, uh, I took him, took his name down and I will follow up um, okay. as I start searching around, yeah. scrounging up guests for next week. Thank you so much. Okay. One more. Oh, can sure. I do one more? Uh, Jared Yates Sexton from Muckrate Podcast. He has a book called Midnight Kingdom, History of Power. And he talks about um, – uh, he, he just did a show on Future Hindsight. And he, he, he basically just wraps everything up of, like, what's happening. To, it's like neoliberalism, basically, and why it's just like – because it's like everyone's all, like, all about the left, like, against the right. And, like, you got to defend the Democrats if you – if you don't defend the Democrats, you're on the right, you know, but I mean, he, he kind of talks about neoliberalism really. And like how we're all, how both sides are neoliberalism kind of, um, yeah. one's more authoritarian than the other, but he kind of, he'd be a great interview too. And that's it. I don't want to waste any more time. So just, that's it. Yeah, no worries. Thank Look, okay. I, I got Jerry Yates Sexton written down as well. Thank you so much. Gregory. Okay. Thank you, Bree. Thank you so much. All right. Keep all the right. faith. All right, Sarah, what's on your mind tonight? You with us, Sarah? I see you're unmuted, but for some reason I can't. Can you hear me? Ah, there you go. Yay. All right. What's on your mind tonight? Hi, Bree. So good to talk to you. It's good to um, talk to you too, Sarah. Yeah. The last time I called in was um, your vegan episode, so it's been a while, but I'm a oh. faithful listener and patron. Um, oh, well, thank you. I, yeah, of course. I got to say, though... Um, I don't know how you do it. You're such a champion um, dealing with all this vile. Like, I have to take a break, I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm going to take a break. Um, I, I also want to take a break. <laughs> yeah. I heard, I saw that, like, I saw your Twitter comment right before you came on for the call-in that you haven't taken a break and I forget how many episodes you said that you've done. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't know how she does it. I did skip one over the holidays. I, I skipped for you this, this past Christmas. I didn't do an episode once. I don't consider that to be a break. It's not like I took a vacation. It's not like I left. (laughs) I I don't consider that an adequate break either. And I wouldn't blame you if you took one. I it's like over the summer, I was in a really bad place and I actually tried getting ketamine treatments. Um, And I was told to be really careful about what content I was consuming, especially Mm. during that period. So, and they were saying like, you know, from everything to like movies, just to everything. So I, I kind of took like a, a period, a couple months, where I wasn't listening to any political commentary, mm-hmm. which I, I basically just have it on all day. Like I work, well, I, 
I had, I lost my job right after those treatments, but, um, I basically was just had stuff on all the time and I was always just listening. And just lately, I don't know, it's like, you know, this interview that you, you did such a great job. He's such a tool. He's such an asshole. Um, but I do see the benefit of you having that discussion. And I don't know, like maybe personally, it just, I would imagine would feel kind of good just to be able to talk to somebody and challenge them on like, look at all the shit that you said about me, you know, like, and then for him to say he hadn't even listened to half of the, like, <laughs> the stuff that you created, I don't know, the contrast that you created in that interview, like, I feel like you're so strategic and what I really don't see. And, and I was really upset by the interview with Marianne today. I thought it was, I really like RBN. Um, but I thought it, it was so embarrassing. I, I, I hope they are embarrassed. I think it was not that I don't think there are critiques to be made of Marianne. I have a lot. I don't disagree with her on foreign policy and a lot of things, but there was a way to have conducted that interview to have a really interesting conversation. And it was just, it was in bad faith. And, and then I've been seeing the interviews that you've had about, you know, the black teacher that was murdered and Mm -hmm. the vile that people comment. And then the child that was killed. And I was like, I need, I need some time away from this mess. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It's been a it's been a wild little run. I'm not gonna lie. I feel. I used to say that I. I used to feel really guilty about how much I worked, um, especially when bad faith is my only gig. I used to feel like, do I? This is a real job. Do I deserve my salary? I only record two shows a week, and then I just have all this downtime, and. It took me a long time to realize that all the content I consume is part of the job. And now, especially that I have all of these other things that I do, I realize that I need as much time offline after I do something to recuperate yeah. as I was online. So if I do a three-hour call-in, I don't want to talk to anybody for three hours after. If I'm on Rising for three hours in the morning, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to see anybody for three hours after I leave the Rising studio. If I'm on for three hours with Vosh, I don't want to talk to you <laughs> for three hours after I log off. I might need six hours after that one, actually. I need Absolutely. to be, I'm going to be binging television and not being with people. So like, I, 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 I had to kind of teach myself to give myself permission to have like the emotional recuperation time and to think about as part of the job to think of scrolling the internet and reading articles as part of my job and to not like feel bad about it. Like I was somehow just being lazy all day. Uh, But that's like, that's part of my, you know, that's my own little um, emotional work. Cause you know, pivoting from being a lawyer, it it did feel like, you know, it just, it just felt very different. And the things that I had been doing as procrastination were now work, which is a wonderful gift to be able to do something that you would have been wanting to do anyway but also can be difficult to like turn off and figure mm-hmm. out how to, and then the stuff like with the kid, like my mom was talking to me about it and she was like, I, I saw it happening and I did, oh, I wanted to call you about it, but also like, it was so upsetting that I almost didn't want to talk about it. My mother says, yes. she's a stress counselor. 
she was like, it was too upsetting. Like I just didn't want to, there's too much real stuff happening in my own life. You know, like like, people have problems to like take all of that on. Yeah, I was having a really hard time with it when I was actually reading through some of the comments, like I found myself really tearful and just like, and it makes like, I mean, I talked about this when I called in about the, you know, the, the past vegan episode, what, and I don't know, like politics doesn't change this, but what, what so much is lacking is like spiritual growth, like it doesn't matter what candidate we have or like all this, I don't know, there, there's like another level of change that has to happen that's so much deeper and under the surface. And it's not an easy like do this and this will happen or this candidate and this. It's like, how do, how do people's hearts change so that they have empathy for the life of another living being? And I don't know what the answer is to that, but I know that my life force is, I, I'm just like feeling it, my spirit, like it's feeling really drained and just really, it's like, okay, it's time to listen to some music and go yeah. outside. <laughs> Part of why I like going to the gym, like I, I have a tendency to put podcasts on and not be alone with my thoughts. <laughs> And I realized that it was affecting my mood, not just because I was listening to many podcasts, but because podcasts were replacing music. Yeah. And part of why I love running is because it is an uninterrupted, I cannot listen to podcasts while I run. I have to be listening to music. So it's uninterrupted music time and there's nothing like it. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you're doing those things. I'm so grateful for you because I feel like what is not happening with a lot of these commentators, like a question before they have the gastro, maybe they do ask it and they just, they have a different objective, but like, what are you hoping to gain Mm -hmm. from this interview? Like what is the overarching goal that you have here? Mm -hmm. And I feel like you're very clear and strategic about this. Like you don't engage in the infighting and the name calling. Like if somebody has the same core values as you, um, you want to be there to support them. Like when RBN was trashing you, I was like, are you serious? Like all she's done is support your channel and lift you up. And now you're going to call it like, I forget what their headline was, but it was so disgusting. And it's like, we're all on this, we're, we're all in the same fight. And, you know, the same with the Marianne thing. It's like, yeah, we, there's definitely critiques to be made. Like ask her the tough questions, but the way you go about it is so important and you're really good at it. You're so good at it. Well, I appreciate that. And I hope, I hope everything gets worked out with RBN because I think they're, you know, valuable contributors to the space and they work really hard and they do good things. Also, there's many different people at RBN and they're not all the same and they didn't all react. They weren't all a part of this interview when they weren't all, they didn't all react to it the same way. And and I don't, I also, I can see the comment about not wanting to tone police them too. And I, I, I agree that I saw a little bit of what they were reacting to. Like, I understand why there was frustrations at the end because of things that Marianne was saying. So I'm not, I'm not trying to heap blame, but I think part of the frustration is that 
they would have come out clearly looking like on top, like they had kind of mm-hmm. come off better in the exchange based on the substance of at least the very tail end of the conversation that I saw, but for how it all ended. And then that kind of shifted away from, I think, what was probably constructive aspects of the interview from what I saw. Yeah. And that's just I a mean, shame. I don't know. Like, I get this, you know, don't tone police people, but, you know, I can also have critiques of commentators and agree and disagree with the way they go about doing things and whatever it's just my opinion you know so you know but even during the interview the comments I don't know who's in charge of that I don't know who's in charge of like what comments in the chat to display but to me even that was like oh they were they were putting up stuff on the screen that was like yeah yeah it it wasn't the the whole tone for me was not was not one of good faith and if you if your objective is to get clicks and trash Marianne then you know that that's one way to do thing and but I don't I would have liked to really like her answer about um Israel Palestine the two her answer was a two-state solution and I would have really liked them to have like some more substantial questioning of like why is that, you know, and there's other ideas that this solution is going to be the only one that will actually work because of this, that, and the other, like there was definitely a way to really get down into, to really pick apart what she was saying and it just didn't happen. And I I know. Yeah. I saw a little bit of Nick's pushback um, there at the end on that one, but it it felt like it, it, it got to a place where it was like, well, I know this many Palestinians who say this. And then Mary said, well, I know this many Palestinians who said that. And I was like, I yeah. don't know what. <laughs> Where is like that stacking going? Stacking up Palestinians. And like, yeah. has the taller column of Palestinians wins this argument. What's happening this right is now? So stupid. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, this isn't going anywhere. So I don't know. It just, honestly, it made me sad because I was like, oh, I really like them. And I, yeah, you know, I want to. I want to hear her have to answer these tough questions. Like I have the same questions that they have, you know, and I have the mm-hmm. same, you know, we all do that utter disappointment about what happened to Bernie. And like, so it's not that I don't understand where they're coming from. I feel the same way, but I don't know. Yeah. It, so anyways, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take a little breather, but um Yeah. It's, it's good to be able to vent a little bit. And I know, like, I'm a coward. Like, I, I go on Twitter and I look. I don't comment on stuff. I don't, like, because I don't want to get, <laughs> I don't want any of this nastiness um, spewed towards me. And so, um, but I don't think that's really, like, going on Twitter, I, I like, think about, did that just benefit my day or my life? Like, It's that a tough type- question. <laughs> I don't, I don't recommend it. Yeah, it's, not, it's I do think that my mom says, like, I have the constitution for it. Like, like she doesn't like seeing me like she doesn't like to log on. She doesn't like to see me on Twitter. Yeah. But she says if someone has to do it, I do agree that you have the constitution for it. I was watching Ole. Um, you know, she was part of this whole thing we were doing on Rising about the teacher who was tased to death. Yeah. And 
she was tweeting a bunch over the last couple of days about all of this negative backlash she's gotten on Twitter. She has a lot of haters who who not only disagree with her, like people disagree with me, but respond to her. I think because um, she, you know, she has a much more expressive style, and she gets a lot of like particularly misogynoir style comments. Mm-hmm. And how hard that is, and like mm-hmm. full on, just blatant racist comments. I saw that. That was part of me saying, like, this is I'm. I don't need this. Like, it's- yeah. And I appreciated how vulnerable and honest she was being about what it feels like, because there is something really like in in real life. If one person said one mean thing to us, it would be like devastating, right? Like, if one person in my day said one mean thing to me, I'd be on the phone with my friends talking about it for a week. Yeah. You know? But on the internet, you're just kind of expected to take like an enormous volume of specific targeted mean stuff. And it's like the psychological effect of all of that, I think, is not really truly very well understood. No, I can't imagine like the one like screenshot that that she posted today. I was like, oh, my God, like, I don't know. Um I'm so grateful to her and the work that she does. And I was yeah. so grateful to hear her, you know, really come back so strong with, with Robbie and like, you know, that comment that she says, she's just, she's just expected to like smile and be calm. It's not that yeah. I think that there isn't a call that for anger, you know, um, I don't know. So yeah, I, I'm really grateful for you and the way that you go about, what you do and I think it's really rare I don't I really don't know any other like I've you're the person online that I feel like I'm most like aligned with um and just appreciate your style I guess but so anyways very sweet of you to say I'm I'm really enjoying your kind of calm energy right now so thank you for calling in and I'm glad someone in the chat made the you're not a coward you're a cow joke that was also running through my mind when you said that (laughs) no oh god I feel like a coward with my online stuff like I'm so not visible I don't go on any social media it really freaks me out but it's self-preservation like you're allowed to taking care of yourself and not jumping into a hornet's nest for like no reason doesn't make you a coward it makes you smart oh well thank you and thank you for taking all this this nastiness for the greater good for the cause like um i know we're all very grateful to you so i hope you have a beautiful night i'm glad you got to spend some time with your mom thank you i appreciate that sarah keep the faith take care keep the faith all right let's go to um captain i feel like i remember this avatar but not for not since not for a while Am I right that you called in a while ago, like a long time ago? Yeah, I called in a, a couple of weeks ago. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Not bad. Uh, I've wanted to, uh, <laughs> I've been lately doing a little research on uh, just like these, this weird, like liberal and or leftist tendency to have something, I don't know what to call it. It's somewhere between a conspiracy theory and an article of faith same and to be a lightning rod for them tell me help me understand well, give me an example of this okay so you know how people are always comment uh commenting on, or subtweeting you with that uh screenshot with like 
it turns out uh, the Supreme Court wasn't that important for Oh, voters. yes, 100%. It, it's a good tweet. It's a solid <laughs> tweet. I stand by the tweet. It's a great tweet. And also, it was like, in a thread. It's... That's what's so funny. It was in a tweet thread about how I was listening. I remember this distinctly. I was listening to an NPR show, um, and they mm-hmm. were talking about how fear, like concerns about Supreme Court, court appointees was going to basically be enough to get Hillary Clinton over the line. Like, mm-hmm. even if Democrats weren't like that enthusiastic about Hillary, because of how important the Supreme Court was, she was going to win. And I said, no, <laughs> that's not enough. People have been threatened with the Supreme Court for too long. It's an empty threat. It doesn't mm-hmm. work anymore. That's not enough. I was correct. <laughs> I wasn't saying the Supreme Court doesn't matter. I was saying that the Supreme Court is a threat that at this point seems empty, and Democrats shouldn't rest on their laurels with a bad candidate. Hillary Clinton needs to do more if she wants to actually defeat Donald Trump. But right. yeah, that and tweet. All of that is all of that is great. All of that is implied. But there's something about the people who post it is like they can't even look at the actual text that they are posting <laughs> and point and correctly articulate what those words mean. Mm-hmm. So uh, I felt a lot of that going on with your conversation with Vosh. And by the way, I don't, I don't know how like I would have broken a wine glass on his face. <laughs> I, I, I could not understand. You are the most patient podcast host I've ever heard of in my life. My so. mom thinks it's hilarious because I have such a short fuse in real life and I just save it up for when I'm being recorded. I just like, <laughs> you should have, you should have broken Noam Chomsky's nose. So. Uh, yeah. Anyway, my my um, poor, yeah. poor people who I actually love in my life who don't get that grace. I apologize in advance. <laughs> Maybe if they became so, patrons. Yeah, I've, I, I could have more patience with my partners and such. Oh, Lord. Okay, I'm going to do that self-work on my own. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, but I was just, uh, I was thinking about that while I was listening to Vosh, and he's he's really got stuck on that it's a gotcha that you want the same thing as MTG. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you, but Vosh, you just said, um, you just said that MTG doesn't want these things. So how? Didn't you just right. talk yourself out of it? It's, it's it, it was all over. It's, the it's one of those things you can't talk them out of. Like no matter what, they just kind of hit a wall. And I've seen a lot of examples of these. Like uh, Bernie Bros are another one. Like Bernie Bros caused Hillary to lose. Mm-hmm. And I started engaging with someone who like she didn't have a whole lot of followers. So I'm like, okay, maybe I can actually talk to this one. Mm-hmm. And she said, yeah, ben, Bernie Bros caused her to lose. Well, and I said, well, I'm a Bernie Bro, but I voted for Hillary, which was true. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, and we went back and forth, and I was like, "Well, maybe we shouldn't have run Hillary if we knew she was that vulnerable. She never won an election. It was kind of dangerous." And she just kept coming back to, "You don't, you don't understand the stakes, so it's your fault." And I'm like, "I just told you that yeah. I voted for Hillary Clinton." Like this, what, this stat what? that I <laughs> that I loved was the one where it's like more more Bernie voters in 2016 voted for Hillary Clinton. And Hillary voters voted for Barack Obama in 2008. Yeah. Like, that's, Bernie that voters was were way fun. more compliant falling in line than Hillary voters were. But, like, nobody exactly. nobody can hear that. You're right. And I, I want to do, do some broader research if I ever had time and energy. I'm 40 now, so there's no more energy for me. But, oh, um, stop. We're just... all 40 now. <laughs> 
just I want to collect them. Like there's a, a one I'm I'm convinced is a, is one of these conspiracy theories is that uh, James Comey dropping the Hillary Hillary's email thing right before the election. Mm-hmm. Like nobody pays attention to this shit, right? Only political junkies who have already made up their minds about who they're going to vote for know who James Comey is, much less what he said <laughs> at any given mm-hmm. time. So why are y'all still harping on that? Um, Sister Soldier is another one. There's so many people who are convinced that that won Bill Clinton the election. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you didn't know who Sister Soldier was until yeah. uh, this happened. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's what I wanted to bring up. Is like, And I feel like I, I have a personal experience involving you where someone called you a... Um, Subhuman fascist? What was the word? A crypt, crypto fascist. What is a crypto fascist? I don't know. But then, like, this was a mutual. We'd talked a lot. We'd actually shared some jokes. Uh, She seemed to be a nice trans woman who was reasonably intelligent, if a little uh, uh, vitriolic. And so I pressed her on it. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, Brianna Joy Gray was uh, stumping for Trump allies. And I'm like, okay. What does that mean? Uh, that's kind of what I pressed her on. So I said, okay, well, I've been listening to her podcast. Like literally like on the campaign trail for one or just generally supporting one. I think it was, you were giving speeches to, uh, people in support of either Trump adjacent people or Trump, uh, himself. I'm not sure, but I kind of pressed her on the same. I'm like, look, Republicans. Yes. She can't so, honestly believe that that was a thing that happened. Hold on. Hold on. Let's okay, finish the right. story here. Okay. Okay. So I press her on it and, uh, and I, I sort of say, all right, well, I've been listening to Brianna Joy Gray's podcast since it came out. I've listened to every episode, which was true at the time. I skipped a few since then. And, <laughs> and I've never heard this. Like, I've, I, I don't know who she supposedly stumped for or was helping or was uh, allied with. But I find it really hard to believe that you claim you're an expert in radicalization and that Brianna Joy Gray is dangerous. And yet me, someone who pays her and is very familiar with her work, has no idea that you are doing this thing under my nose, that you have this whole secret uh, plan uh, to help Trump win the 2020 election. And then she blocked me. Uh, but the funny part oh, is... Oh, we never got the answer? Uh, no, we never got the answer. Oh, I was uh, really I did, hoping I for did ask some, someone I was to ho- check on I was hoping the punchline was going to be like, oh, she thought I was Candace Owens or something. <laughs> like, she was just confused. No. <laughs> no, she knew exactly who you were. She just, like, there was the... Uh, after Force the Vote, there was just, like, this meme in people's head that uh, there's, like, Force the Vote proponents are pro-Trump, which is weird. Because if Force the Vote had failed... <sighs> nothing would have happened like we'd be exactly where we were like, that was the, the whole downside? point of it is that it's the lowest stakes in the world so there's no reason not to here's do it the, here's the the kicker though this person who blocked me who we were friendly with on twitter for years mm-hmm. uh one of the debate bros that vosh runs with started i i I have no idea how true it is, but started like this rumor and did this little investigation that she was a former FBI snitch who took down an uh, anarchist commune in Texas in like 2014 or something. And 
since then she's deleted all her internet and run away. So I don't know if the allegations are true, but I'm kind of like, well, you kind of, I'm, I'm not sad about that because you're sitting here telling these stories about, uh, about a black woman podcast that you have no idea about. And then someone comes with a, a just an asinine story about you and it hits you right hard. So anyway, that was my little story that I want to share with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating. I mean, it's funny. People are like, why won't people let force the vote go when, you know, it was pretty, I don't want to go through it again, but like it was, it was pretty devastating at the time. It felt very overwhelming mm -hmm. at the time. I remember also the podcast was very new. It was like mm -hmm. three months old or something. I had been unemployed for an entire year. It, I was worried that it, we might not survive it. <laughs> you know, there was a decline yeah. in patrons. Like it was, it was, and I, I, I felt guilty to be honest. Cause I, I felt very strongly about force the vote and I felt like I was kind of dragging Virgil into it. And like, he didn't really ask for this. And was I hurting the podcast? And mm -hmm. like, was that fair? Like I had a lot of, I was very close to Ryan. I felt estranged from him. It was a very personal feeling. You know, like it was, it was mm -hmm. not a great time. I've been seeing this guy in San Diego and he was becoming distant. No, <laughs> there was a lot. <laughs> there was a lot going on. Um, but yeah. Did like, anyone I, ever explain a downside to you? Nope. Bad optics, I, I guess. Another thing. Another thing I was, uh, I wanted you to say to Vosh, it's like, okay, it, let's say I, I did, I did, um, I did legitimize Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like, right. What is the actual practical effects of that happening? How many of my listeners are now going to be vote for Marjorie Taylor Greene? Like, what are you expecting to happen? That That's what's so crazy. I like, I, I, the same thing with people, this idea of who's platforming whom, Marjorie Taylor Greene, mm -hmm is a congresswoman. Even Vouch has way more followers and is known. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. We live in different worlds, Twitter versus YouTube mm -hmm. versus Twitch. But like a year ago, for sure, had a much bigger platform than I did. So mm -hmm. these weird arguments about like, if you if you speak to this person, then you're somehow just enabling them you know Vosh said it, like i spoke to charlie kirk i was like how is that different like you mm -hmm. you know and then there was this moment where he said well i don't i don't agree like i'm so i'm so pure the implication is that i don't agree about marjorie taylor green with marjorie taylor green on anything and i was being a little cheeky when i said well you got you guys were on the same side of force the vote because <laughs> she was against the freedom caucus people doing their force the vote and he's I'm like, well, suddenly he's like, well, we agree on stupid, simple things like the sky is blue and water is wet. I'm like, okay, so then you understand the general principle that there are big ideological categories that people can agree with that don't mean that you share the same ideological project. And couldn't one of those be defund the police? Robbie and I agree on a ton exactly. of stuff. It doesn't make me a libertarian. There just happens to be some overlap when it comes to war, when it comes to, to, to police funding. Right. All right. So uh, I I don't particularly like Vosh, but I have watched his streams when there's because I'm a giant drama queen, and whenever like there's <laughs> something juicy that's been brewing, and I want to see someone fight about it, I'll watch one of his streams on the subject. Uh, I will tell you that there is like unlike most of his debate brethren, he has in the past when confronted with his own bullshit, come around to it several months later. And admitted he's wrong. 
you might have got through to him, but I, it's look, a, at least. L- listen to part two. I look. I know everyone's frustrated. I felt the frustrations. I was there, but I really mm-hmm. did feel like there were these moments of genuine understanding. Um, mm-hmm. And and like I said, we'll, we're about to get into force the vote, and it was interesting. He didn't. You'll you'll see that he didn't really want to debate the merits of force the vote. Like he wasn't. Mm-hmm. He didn't try to argue that it wasn't going to work or that it was a bad strategy or he, 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 I kept, I kind of tried to get him to own some statements that I've heard him make against the strategy mm-hmm. and he didn't want to go there. I think because he recognizes that what happened two weeks ago proved that the strategy was accurate. Only a fool would continue to say that it wouldn't have worked. And I appreciate right. that. Like I wasn't, I decided not to like, push him on that because my my goal is not to like make him eat crow as long as he agrees now that's good enough for me but like to me even that's kind of progress and growth we don't have to spend an hour debating like the strategic merits of force the vote we can move on to other aspects of the debate Mm -hmm. so yeah i I see him as somebody who's relatively open at least as compared to some other people i've debated and i appreciated it yeah i mean he's also like that when the debate bro flat or style tends to it's like rush limbaugh you have to you're a bullshitter you have to bullshit for several hours a day and you yes and yourself into some weird shit mm-hmm. and uh sometimes you find he finds himself taking a weird ass position that he's stuck on and i hope that he'll come down from this someday but yeah that's why kind of not very happy with the whole debate bro uh, side of YouTube and that it, it just really encourages these odd takes that you have to dig your heels in and pick fights about and always be on your moral high horse about. So. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure. I almost, I'm going to have some empathy for it. I feel that way on rising sometimes. Like, do I have to have an opinion? Do I have to have an opinion on every single effing thing? <laughs> like, I'm just like, wow, it's Sorry for you, or I'm glad that happened. You know that meme. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, that that sounds perfect. You should you should have a get out of opinion free card that you can use <laughs> once a episode. <laughs> if only we didn't have to fill eight to ten minutes. Lol. Yeah. All right, Captain. Thank you so much for calling in. All right, thanks for talking to me. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. All right, Andrew. You're the last caller. I would have cut it off after Captain, except for I announced that I was going to get through this <laughs> animal lineup. It's too bad Captain didn't give you your get out of. Uh, I know he's also an animal, but what's the word, oh, yeah. bird? Well, um, yeah. First of all, the bird Clark's Nutcracker, very cool. Like them. Um, the <laughs> word is. Uh, uh, Mexico did abolish their FBI in 2019, pretty much as soon as AMLO and Morena got into office. And so oh, yeah? that up until now is an ongoing case study of our next door neighbor, which is a large country with a very, very similar constitutional federal republic. So I think we definitely should. Um, I'm, I'm very down to talk defund the FBI. I thought it was horseshit saying that because Marjorie Taylor Greene and Trump are on the political scene right now for you to say anything that they say is just helping them. I thought that was nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, even Vosh thinks the sky is blue. So 
<laughs> yeah, so he's a he's a fascist enabler because he's agreeing <laughs> with Marjorie Taylor Greene and Trump. Um, but yeah, I just was gonna say like um, I can expound a little bit on how that process has gone because um, yeah, so this was a campaign promise of Morena. They, uh, if you read their platform or their statutes that they put together after they, um, you know, when they were in the process of becoming a political party in about 2014. Um, that was one of their promises and it, it was in the whole vein of anti-corruption, which I think is a narrative that also has a lot of potential play in the United States. Mm. And the, um, the process of doing it was like almost instantaneous. They arrested and imprisoned the, at that time, the current head of the FBI or the federal police of Mexico, excuse me. Um, for just really blatant corruption. He has all these like multi-million dollar homes and money that he can't account for. Mm. And uh, he um, is actually going on trial right now in the United States, I believe. And there's, so there's like weird dynamics between the U S and Mexico in many different ways since AMLO has become president. And since Morena took power in the Congress. Um, But part of the reasoning for that is like, there are still areas of Mexico where um, where the neoliberal parties are still in power. They enable the state police to completely collaborate with the mafias. And so it wasn't really super duper safe to have any high profile cartel trials in Mexico in, in some ways or another because people can be paid off or murdered. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyways, the what was left of the federal police were kind of combed through um, quickly, but not totally just haphazardly. Anyone who had really sketchy, shady history was ejected. And then what was left was folded into the national guard and the national guard and the, uh, and other parts of the, the Mexican armed forces have been, uh, on a, like a basically mandated, um, like occupation or patrol of most of, you know, many areas of the country, since the previous administration to AMLO. And so the conversation now is like, they can still have investigations. And I think it's very interesting to see the, the arm, the, the, you know, the, the tool for investigation being completely separate from the tool for any type of like use of force and action mm-hmm. in, in arresting. And, um, but the conversation is still that, um, you know, AMLO has promised to basically stop fighting the war on drugs and to combat um, the incentives for narco-trafficking with social programs and investments in infrastructure and jobs in the economy. And so just now, as AMLO, like a day or two ago, was talking about um, this trial that's ongoing and how it's it's fairly important um, to really put to bed the last few people who might believe the naysayers and say, you know, kind of pearl clutching about the same, like, how are we going to be safe without the the federal police, which is not very many people because it, they were just widely uh, understood to be heavily corrupt and dangerous. Mm. Um, but at the same time he was talking about that, he was also announcing the, um, the coming online of this new oil refinery that they built um, a- along with the kind of, um, like modernization or refurbishing of six other oil refineries in Mexico because they're 
their plan there is like to have complete energy independence and to build off of the the oil infrastructure more into hydro and um, like other sources of energy. Like they're also at the same time getting new turbines for the hydropower and revamping all of their nuclear power. And so to them, it's like a very connected thing. They're like, we, for the meantime, the people, some people are saying, oh, you're letting us down for not pulling the military out of the streets. Um, Cause we're like a little more than halfway through almost term. And that was something you said you were going to do. Are you really going to do it? Um, but the plan, as I understand it, is still to, before the end of almost term, legalize marijuana, come to a conclusion on the, the you know, amount and, and um, exact mandate of the presence of, of any type of National Guard or armed forces in general society. Um, and they're also like simultaneously, wherever Morena has won the governorship of a state, they're just like re repeating the same process they did with the federal police and just removing everybody who's a mafia collaborator from the the state police. And it's playing out in interesting ways for me because I live in Mexico State mm-hmm. um, in the kind of center western part of it in a city called Toluca. And in Michoacan is the state, one of the states to our west. And the uh, process of weeding out the mafia from Michoacan, who in that case is the Familia Michoacana, they're losing their foothold in Michoacan. So they're all coming over here and it's like getting sketchier. They're shutting mm. down businesses that won't pay them protection. And like the price of chicken is, is getting really expensive because, um, you know, the cops are not really cracking down on anybody with weed anymore. And so mm-hmm. the cartels don't have as much muscle to just put anyone else out of, out of business who has an independent source. And so they're like, well, if we can't, ex- you know, extort every process of the, narco trafficking of marijuana we'll just have to go to chicken and like taxis <laughs> so it's it's like this it's this ongoing experiment overall i think it is on it is on the track that morena and amlo outlined in their in their statements before they had any state power and i think that i am i am really personally like very on edge excited about Will um, Gustavo Petro and Francia Marquez in Colombia, will they follow through quickly on legalizing the, you know, the production and circulation of coca, cocaine and marijuana and other substances that are currently controlled in Colombia? And it seems like AMLO maybe is not there on cocaine, which I think is probably a mistake, but he is there on weed. So anyways, if you would like, um, I can connect you with uh, organizers for the uh, for Morena at the state level here or at the kind of more regional national level. About I, I would love I would love to talk to somebody ab- about this because okay. when I was talking to Vash, I had this moment where I was like, "He's right." Like, I mean, when we were, he's asking me what I want the reforms to be, and I'm like, "We should be having the conversation about reforms." And I just had this moment like oh yeah, we should just be having the conversation. (laughs) Like I'm tired of trying to convince people that this is what we should do. It's time to move on to like, what does this look like? Yeah. But, um, I I sent you an email. Um, like I had some, uh, fun insomnia times listening to the Vosh interview last night. And I was like, (laughs) is this the fucking Havana syndrome crickets on his microphone at like three in the morning? I didn't hear that when we were talking only on the recording. It was so odd. I, for a minute, I was like, does Vosh live in, like, a beautiful forest in the south? And I was like, no, he lives in, like, 
Beverly Hills. So I was like, I don't think those are crickets. I think it's definitely Havana syndrome, uh, ray guns. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, yeah, I did send you an email, but I know you have like a zillion to, to where things. to the bad, to faith, bad email? faith pod. Yeah. Okay. Um, if there's another way to contact you, please let me know. And yeah, no, I'm, I'll I'm not... find it. I mean, um, if you can just, do, are, are you, um, I, this feels like a weirdly loaded question. Are you a patron? <laughs> I am. Yeah. Okay. Um, if, if you can just forward it to the, the patron inbox, cause I like, oh, truth be told. Wait, how do I do that? You mean like just messages email. on Patreon? Yeah. You can send, you can send messages in there. Okay. Or I, I know can there's just, like a, I can just find, I can just log into. There's like a, there's like a community talk and there's a, uh, like messages, messages. Which one would you prefer? There's like messages. Like what's the community Like too talk? bad faith. I don't know. There's like a, it's sorry. My computer died or I'd pull it up and sell you specifically. There's like a, there's like a, yeah. Too bad faith. I, that's me. I'm bad faith. Okay, I'm going to message you right now, so it's there. Um, but, yeah, I'm just like, also, definitely you should take vacations. I think it was – at first I was like, oh, why'd she split it into two episodes? And I was like, well, it's three hours. And then just now I was thinking, that's a pretty good way to take a stealth vacation. Yeah, giggity, giggity. <laughs> also, like, Armand was like – it's because we recorded this on – I guess we recorded it on Monday. It was going to take him too long to – like, it was going to take him a long time to edit it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was going to be tough for him to get the whole three hours out by today anyway. I see. Well, fair enough. Both of you take a fucking stealthcation. And also, I'll just let you know, probably got like three more weeks um, in the northern hemisphere tropics where it's real nice on the coast. And then it's going to get too hot. So if you just happen to fly somewhere. Now God, I've been wanting to go to Mexico. Time, I was just Go to Puerto Vallarta. I just went there in December and it was fucking awesome. I mean, yeah. it's kind of expensive compared to here, which is. Just I was telling my I'm mom broke, that I, but... you know, my 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 horrible French trip over the summer, and now I never want to go anywhere farther than four hours away. I'm like, Europe's dead to me. <laughs> like everywhere's dead to me. I basically only want to go to Mexico now. Yeah. Uh, well, you're on the East Coast, so maybe you could go to like the Yucatan. Um, Shoot, I'll send you. Uh, I'll I'll sweeten the deal for this. You should read <laughs> my, my travel bad guy. faith. Met. Yeah, I'll send you places you should go um, if you're gonna go to Mexico. Because I I've been here for a bit over a year now, so I'm kind of getting the lay of the land better. And my my brother-in-law is like, um, his training is to be like a basically like a in tourism, and so he's been like hmm. fucking everywhere and always tells me cool places to go. Okay, I'm in, Andrew. Pot sweetened. Not that you needed uh, <laughs> to sweeten it, but I appreciate you. Thank you for – you're so informed. Um, I'm looking forward to, to reading what you send. Oh, excellent. Okay, yeah. Um, thank you for sticking it out to have me on to talk about this because I'm, like, begging people with reach to get more into – I mean, specifically Mexico because it's where I am and I'm, I'm still learning, but I can just tell already. I mean, we have so much we need to learn uh, from – from Mexican politics right now. So anyways, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that's true. It's embarrassing. When I went for, um, a vacation a few years ago, I think it was like 2016, 2017. I remember being like loving it, being very impressed by it. And then having that realization that I know nothing about what was going on. (laughs) 
you know, like there's this huge, wonderful place that's right here, and I'm like woefully ignorant about it. So I'm looking forward to it, Andrew. Thank you. Right on. All right. Take care. You guys, you guys are really tops. Like you're really just exceptional. I wasn't even going to do this tonight because I was like, we're just going to have to do it again on Monday. But I'm glad I did because this is cathartic. It helps me to process. I feel like I understand what just happened better. I understand what to change and modify moving forward better. I feel like, you know, it's like a real sense of community. I don't know. I I have a parasocial relationship with you and I'm not mad at it. I'm looking forward to you guys hearing part two on Monday. I think you'll really like it. If this is not your bag, I'm sorry. We'll return to usual programming soon enough. And thank you all for your amazing suggestions. Keep the faith, my friends. I was a comedian, late night sitcom syndicated on TV land. I wish this well had water in it. These kids are stealing all my pennies. Focused on my wealth. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish the help is like, it's like, I wish, I wish, and every time we dive in, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, and every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, and every time we love it, it feels just like this. It feels just like this. It feels. I wish I had a time machine. Wish I had a better rhyming speed. Wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew from my lime bead. I wish that I could spread my wings. Nah. I wish that I had seven limbs. Yeah. That way I'd hold on to everything and laugh when I hear people wishing for the better things. I wish I spoke fluent Spanish. Dímelo, dímelo. At least I kind of understand it. <laughs> wish that I could throw the deuce like Gambit and get so large I could play pool with the planets. Yeah. I wish I was an astronaut. I wish I knew more classic rock. Focused on myself, you can help me wish, but I would rather wish for help. It's like, it's like, I wish, I wish that every time we love and it feels just like this. Like this.